Okay, we're live. Um, yeah, so Dim Sung, it was I've had it before with my buddy Khan, and I think it was a an Americanized version of Dim Sung. Right. Because it, like, oh, you get fried rice, you get this, you get that, you get like these pastries and all. Well, then we went to an authentic one, and dude, they said here have some sweet beets, and I said, oh, sweet beets, and it's orange. Okay. And it's kind of, and it's kind of in the, like a sauce or some kind. I grab it; it's really salt, and I bite into it, and there's like a like a bone, and I'm like, is there a stick in this? <laughs> and they're like, well, yeah, there's a bone. It's chicken feet. I'm like, chicken oh. feet? I think you said sweet beets. They're like, no, it's chicken feet. And I just like put it right back on the table. And um, There's tripe. I, I've had tripe. I don't mind tripe. For some reason, I like the consistency, kind of like octopus. I'm okay eating octopus. Sure. And then they had uh, beef, beef, not tenderloin, beef sinew or beef something and it was just this gelatinous fat it just was fat salty fat and i'm kind of, and then uh then there was pork and everything had bones in it i'm like dude what, is this like this stuff they throw away at the butcher department that they don't want it and and hey well this authentic asian experience and no doubt it is authentic but i'm kind of like man the animals got to be scared in china because they use every piece of the animals they eat yeah, I had a friend who lived over there and and said the the food was was horrific. You know, the the authentic <laughs> stuff was just horrible. Basically, what you're saying, yeah, you know, chickens' feet and stuff like that. And oh god, yeah. How about uh, lutefisk, man? You ever give that a try? Never in the twenty odd years I've lived in Minnesota, never had lutefisk. Don't care to try it. Yeah, um, I, even, I didn't even, want it's horrible, horrible. Well, even when the the Norwegian are saying it's horrible, you know, the people that make it say it's horrible. Like that's not an endorsement. It's uh, like you know, I, I don't want, if you're not going to eat it, and it's from your country. <laughs> I, I um, and I and I have a whole new appreciation for American food because uh, I hate it when the like you know uh, what's it called uh, Chevy's. You ever got Chevy's Tex Mex? You got that out in Wisconsin still? No, no. Uh-uh. no. Okay. Well, let's say you have like a, you know, Bob's Tacos or uh, Tex-Mex or the Alcapulco, you know, and, and it's it's got its tacos. And I don't mean to say Taco Bell. That is hugely American and so far removed from Mexican food. I understand the point they're making. But I'll go to a, quote, Mexican restaurant. And everyone's like, you know, that's really not a, a Mexican, authentic Mexican food. I'm like, yeah, I've had authentic Mexican food. It's shit. It's refried <laughs> beans. It looks like shit. Smells like shit. Everyone farts. That's why it stinks. I know. I want the Americanized version. I want the Americanized sushi. I want the Americanized Chinese. I want, you know, pieces of meat without bone. I want a freaking fork and give me a freaking spoon. Uh, don't, don't, well, you know, it's not really, it's like, yeah, that's why we're like the dominant global superpower. Cause our food rocks. Yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> anyway, TJ, how are you doing? You're, you're in the chat room. How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Good, good. So, uh, any excitement over there in Washington? Yeah, I actually, um, just spent the weekend working on the, my fireplace that I had installed earlier this year that you saw, we finally got the river rock on it. Oh, okay. Your yeah. uh, uncle helped you with that? Um, not this time. It was my buddy and one of my relatives came over and we spent the weekend putting it up. It actually, it's amazing how much even the simplest uh, task can get complicated by just uh, the different things that you got to do. It's a, just measuring and cutting and getting everything right. Mm-hmm. What, but, um, 
but the innards are all there. I mean, it's a functional fireplace as it is right now. You're just doing uh, cosmetics. Yeah, it's mainly cosmetics because looking at a, a fireplace surrounded by drywall looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's going to keep you warm this winter. Yeah, man, I was actually running it, uh, or not running it, burning wood in it. Um, and man, that'll heat up my house. My house isn't very big, so um, having a the fireplace, and it's not as efficient as a stove. So, man, if I had a stove, like that antique stove that I have, if I had installed that instead, you mm-hmm. put in one or two logs and you the whole oh, yeah. house feels like a sauna. Yeah, well, we've that's- got a wood insert. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a super high efficiency, you know, heat the whole house. Well, don't teach you. Don't you have an old wood burning stove that you're going to polish it up and install it somewhere? Yeah, this is all long term planning. But I bought this antique Sears and Roebuck stove, uh, boxwood stove, and the original plan was to put that in, but nobody, no contractor or whatever, would install it because it was so old. So my plan is to build uh, some sort of an outbuilding type thing uh, on my property and use that to just as a put that inside because it's a lot simpler than and um sort of make it like a workshop or something like that i I, my outbuilding right now doesn't have any electricity and doesn't have any windows and there's no so there's i can't do a lot except just store stuff like wood but that's that's long term i got other projects like getting this (laughs) like getting this river rock fireplace finally finished so you say river rock are you putting like a facing so you're going to get some radiant heat off of that or um, so what we did is we, we covered, it, it was an insert fireplace that's zero clearance. So we put it right up against the wall and it uses a stove pipe. So it goes up yeah. through the, this, um, through the, this, the ceiling, the wall, the, the roof. And then we put drywall frame around it. And then what we did is, um, add tar paper, then a metal mesh. Then we added mortar as a layer. Then we put on these, these specialized river rocks that have been cut in half and then on the back side, they've been grooved so that they'll absorb the mortar. So then we put oh, yeah. up, put up yeah. all the river rock, and then we added the grout the, the next day. And so now it's finally starting to take shape. And then um, a local logger, because I, I live in the mountains, and there's a logger that I run into all the time at the weight room. And he uh, donated <laughs> donated a, a mantle piece for the cause. So that's now on the... Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Very I, nice. I, yeah, so it's, it's looking a lot better than it did before. You getting any uh, free wood from the logger? If you scored like oh, free yeah. wood, that would be cool. <laughs> I top. Funny you say that. He he ran into me, or I ran into him at the weight room, and he goes, "By the way, we're logging up here, and we just finished logging up." And he get, showed me on the map, and he said, "A lot of uh, leftovers that if you take, we we won't be disappointed." <laughs> nice. <laughs> so basically, free stuff. So you know, whenever I need to know where to get free wood, I just ask him. Oh, dude, you you got you got it made up there, man. You got a logger. See, I got I I have a I have a connection to free wood, but I'm not telling anybody what it is because other people might go after it. So I'm going to keep it hush hush. Did but, I tell you? Uh, did I tell yeah. you about the uh, huge chainsaw that I found in in my shed? Yeah, yeah, like from 1960 yeah, yeah. or something or whatever. Just the guy the the guy um, that I bought the house from had had passed away, and so it was an estate sale. But they left most of his stuff there. So he was a fisherman, he was a hunter, so they, a lot of equipment, his fishing equipment, uh, some of his hunting equipment, no firearms. But they also left his chainsaw, which uh, according to one of my relatives is worth five hundred bucks, and actually wants to buy from me. And of course, I said no because it's huge. The thing's huge. It's like I'm not sure how long it is exactly, but I think it's over three feet. 
long. It's, I don't eh, see. I don't know if you need a, that big of a chainsaw because your your fireplace is only going to take certain size wood, and you don't want to have like such huge right. logs that they're not. Gonna well, burn. that's that's the one downside to this fireplace is that it's very narrow. It you, as opposed to a stove. That's uh, I grew up with a stove where you could stick, you could push a lot of wood inside. This doesn't allow for much, but at the same time, you put on a few logs and it'll get this place warmed up very quickly. Well, you don't have that. You don't have that big of a place. Is is the fireplace going to be adequate enough? Oh yeah, it'll it'll be fine keeping things warm. I mean, I a couple of days when it got cold, I threw on a few logs, and then I went um, to go to bed, and my bedroom was warmed up as well because a lot of times. So yeah, it's just it's it's great having that. But it was a little weird just looking at drywall surrounding the fireplace. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I when I got it burning, it's got the river rock and it's got uh, the mantelpiece on it, and I'm gonna probably add some things on the drywall um next to it we've already textured and painted that so i'll be throwing up my my grandpa's world war ii uh memorabilia up there cool dt you uh how's your wood supply looking you've got like three years worth last i checked yeah plenty <clears throat> you hear me okay yeah sound good everybody hear yeah. me yep can you hear me now can you hear me now i'm just kidding <laughs> no it's good it's good i've got probably two years worth left maybe now that I'm working, I'm slaving away. You know, I just got here just in time, seven o'clock. <laughs> now that I'm working, we'll probably won't uh, burn as much because when I was home, I, I that's how I made money is I burned wood, so we weren't spending money on heat. So, so well, now, now it'll just be for just at night, probably, and we won't save as much, but it's still very good. Uh, Mrs. DT actually had when I got home from work here tonight, she had. A pizza ready for me and a fire <laughs> in the fireplace. She had a fire going in the wood burning hey, stove. Hey, you <laughs> trained her right. All you need, all you need, is a drink. I did. I I've got that my, myself. I can handle that myself. <laughs> well, can you like? All right, so Mrs. DT leaves for work. Uh, you gotta leave for work. Kids leave for school. Don't you just like load up because the GF will load up the wood burning stove with a ton of wood, put it on a slow burn. And you can still leave the heat off. I, I mean, you're still saving money if you put a sizable log and you just let it burn slowly. And the, yeah, the theoretically, the heat. theoretically, Cappy, that would be fine. But I, uh, I'm worried about my house burning down. <laughs> so I don't like to leave a, a fire going when I'm when I'm not in the house. So that, that you could do that, maybe. Uh, but uh, don't you have glass doors on it? Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all it's buttoned up. But the other thing I don't like to do is I don't like to um, I like to make sure that my fire is not smoldering, is not uh, uh, buffeting the neighborhood with with smoke outside. Yeah. So and, and and it's if you're if you've got too smoky of a fire, you're not capturing all the heat efficiently from the wood anyway. I mean, that's right. that's energy going up your your flu. So so yeah. I, that would be the biggest problem, I would think, because I'd probably get. I'd probably get the local government unit, unit uh, sicked on me if I was. If it was just there's just smoke coming out of this this damn chimney all day. Nobody's home. Yeah, it's funny, DT. You were mentioning how you use firewood to help keep the energy costs down. Uh, I did my. I'm probably could spend the next fifty years in this house and not not spend as much money on electricity um, compared to the amount of money I've spent on this fireplace because we, I live in an area next to a bunch of hydro dams. So hydroelectricity, mm -hmm. we have the lowest energy rates in the nation and pro I would say in the world. Um, I spent, 
I think. That's oh, not true. Everything not true. is free in Cuba and Venezuela. <laughs> and that's yeah, where it's cheapest. Social, yeah, exactly. Actually, it's, Iceland is the cheapest in the world. Oh, of all the- that's right, because of all the volcanic activity. Yeah. yeah. But it, it just, I'm spending all this money on this thing, and people are going, oh, is it to save money? I was like, no, I could probably, because uh, it cost a, a couple grand to get the fireplace in, and then yep. all the other, and I had to tear out a wall, a sliding glass door um, that was next to it, and then put in a new wall and all this other stuff. So I didn't do it to save money necessarily. I did it just because I grew up in a family that, you know, we really, traditional in that sense, we chopped our own wood, we stacked it, cured it. Yeah, and then absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's a family tradition. I almost same didn't. Here. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, I almost <laughs> didn't buy the house um, originally. As dumb as it sounds, because I w- looked around and I was like, "There's no stove, there's no fireplace. I don't know if I can buy a house like that." But then I realized I can just add one later. What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. It's a good plan B. I mean, in case uh, we had our first <laughs> one two, two winters ago, and yeah. thank God we had that wood burning stove, and you know, wasn't even uncomfortable. But the we didn't have to shut down the water; just nice redundancy built in. And Doc, you said you had a wood insert. Well, yeah, it was a fireplace when we moved here, and then I had it replaced with a high efficiency insert. But I mean, it's got a lot of glass in the front, so um, you know, it kind of resembles a fireplace, but it's in a stone wall, so the wall will heat up. Um, so, you know, I, I can get radiant heat for a good, you know, 12 hours after the fire's out that'll kick back and heat the house. So it is sweet. Um, and it, it burns wood. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wood burning insert. I, it, I nice. put it in, in 2006 and I think it cost me like seven, six or seven grand back then. Uh, but it's, I mean, I had to replace the fan once on it, but, you know, the, but, uh, <laughs> It's it's nice and it's it's like a crematorium. I mean, my God, you can burn like <laughs> you can bring like a quart of wood, you know, a quart of wood and take out like a you know two gallon, you know, pail of ash. I'm like, what in the hell? But uh but Should yeah, we cut some Jew that, jokes now or that's that that efficient. Reason? Yeah, the home the home <laughs> thermostat is that supposed to is that supposed to go up to four thousand degrees? <laughs> you guys remember There's that from the burbs? <laughs> yeah, I love the burbs. So. Oh man. <laughs> But yeah, no my way. my dream is to get a uh, soapstone wood burning stove because oh, soapstone wow. is uh, they I think it comes from Sweden that's where they figured it out soapstone is uh, it absorbs the heat and lets it out real slow so you could have a you know a hot fire for an hour or two and it'll heat for many hours after that. So, so the, the nice, that's yeah. the best kind of uh, wood burning stove that you can get. Cast iron lets heat out slow. That's why most wood burning stoves are cast iron. But uh, soapstone's even better. And you'll see if you do a, like a Google search for soapstone fireplace or soapstone wood burning stove, they get really really fancy. They some people really really make them make them uh, uh, just like the feature of the entire room. They really look great. It, I, some of the new modern designs look a little weird. Like they look like it, it, to me, if you're going to do a fireplace, you want to make it look old fashioned or rustic. But I see some people who do almost these futuristic looking fireplaces uh, almost. I, I don't know if anybody's seen that movie silver linings playbook, but there's the one couple that's showing off their house and all that stuff. And then they show this weird thing on the wall and it turns out to be a really strange fireplace. That's clearly, it's almost an aesthetic thing. It's not meant to, be the the heart of the home where everybody gathers during the winter or during family events which 
to me is is sort of the its purpose it's it's to serve as where a gathering point i can't stand gas fireplaces why why i agree how about a fake log in there the fake log i mean oh my god are you kidding me <laughs> well, what about the what about the electric ones yeah i mean <laughs> it's just like what is the point hey i've got this fireplace like cappy you're saying redundancy yeah, <laughs> I guess gas stays on a little bit longer than electricity if everything goes down, but eventually the lines bleed out and you're Dude, and you're and you're fucked. So just wait till we not? have n- nuclear powered fireplaces. <laughs> oh, I it's kind of interesting because um, I in the new Clary compound over in the South Dakota, um, I want a fireplace, but then I'm thinking oh, the wood burning stove would be more efficient. So maybe in the garage there'll be a wood burning stove. I, you know, it's still everything's up on the board. And so already in the initial stages of talking to a builder, I'm like, well, you know, a gas fireplace would be a lot easier. Oh. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? You're from South Dakota. What do you mean? I want it so in case the gas doesn't come here, or there's war, or you know. Uh, the shit hits the fan, or maybe I just like the smell of wood oh, and there's yeah. this masculinity yeah. of making my own fire for Christ's sake. Yeah. That, that survivalists call a fireplace or a wood burning stove. Survivalists call it a pot of gold. I don't know. Back in, <clears throat> if you guys are remember when um, all the, the, the survivalist stuff was going on, but uh, they would characterize, uh, you got your pot of gold, you know, that that just keeps it in, in a shit hits the fan scenario. It's the one thing you definitely want above all others, and it'll just pay dividends oh, as, a, as a wood burning stove. That, that pot of gold, that pot bellied stove, pot of gold. Yeah. I, I've used it obviously for heating. Um, it eliminate, I would, it didn't eliminate, but I used to have winter heat bills every month around 300. Uh, for one winter that I installed this, I said, screw that. <clears throat> and um, now I don't think I've had one above 50, even with many, you know, days below zero. But then, you know, the GF brings down the coffee or it's nice and warm and roasty, toasty, kindle the fire again, except not anymore because I leave her in during winter because it's cold there. Why would you stay? Um, but then you have the coffee and it gets a little cold. You just set that sucker right on that wood burning stove. It'll heat it right back up. You could cook on those things. Oh, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So talking survival, tomorrow is the uh, big test from the government. All of our cell phones will be ringing, what, about 1 o'clock or something like that? It's the nation- President Trump? Yeah, nationwide uh, emergency broadcast, the hybrid system test. So every single cell phone will be, be activated. There's no opt-out. Well, it's kind of your neck of the woods, isn't it? That's your, your special. Yeah, yeah, and I was contacted by a couple people. Um, and I, you know, it, the thing is, this system already exists, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it's part of the emergency broadcast system. And people are like, well, no, that's TV. And then I'm like, well, not really, because when they redid the, the, the NIMS or National Emergency Response System a couple of years ago, they modified it so it can do all of this. So the conspiracy theorists are saying this is a way that government, you could have a, a president or a, you know, w- whatever group of government could circumvent the states if there was a coup and still get out some directive to the people. Now, this is conspiracy theory, but it is weird that they're having this test of the secondary system 
when there's really no need to do that. Like you already have this, the, again, the EMS systems, kind of like, you know, the Hawaii thing, remember, like in February when they had the nuclear missile inbound, and then it's like, oh, nope, that was just like Fred fucking oh, around. Oh, that's again. right, yeah, Fred Sent- spilled his coffee or something. Yeah. You know, and then they didn't, and then they reassigned him for a week, and then eventually they got rid of him. But, um, so yeah, um, it's really strange. I haven't figured out. So I've been contacted by three, you know, pretty large media, you know, just kind of what your, what your take is. I'm like, I don't know, you know, I guess we'll see how it goes. But, um, they were going to do it right at the same time Hurricane, uh, Florence was hitting. <laughs> it's nice. Well, that's a, that's a bad idea, you know, because, People are going to be thinking, you know, did a dam just go out? Is there, you know, some, you know, whatever. So um, they delayed it, but I, I don't know. It doesn't, I, I don't understand the reason for it. And it hasn't been explained very well. Isn't it, isn't it because no one's watching TV no more? Yeah, no, yeah, but, yeah, but you're right. But see, like when the Hawaii thing went off, um, that went to people's phones and that's through EBS has for several years been reprogrammed to go to the phones and the digital networks, the emergency broadcast system. So this should all already be taken care of. So why they're creating this secondary system, which only seems like it can be activated through the executive branch. Just, you know, it seems weird. It's like, it's basically, I mean, I said it would make sense if you had a government takeover and a coup that, you know, your president could still activate and get a message out to the people but i'm like holy shit that's pretty far out thinking <laughs> like eh, yeah. it's not that far out thinking in my opinion right you're you're right so i mean I, I i've looked at this and well i mean yeah i mean nothing kind of surprises me anymore um honestly but uh i am teach i teach a law class uh 700 level law class and in Honestly, like the stuff I got to cover and, and go over with people, they're like, this, this really happens? I'm like, yeah, this is all real. Like, this is just the stuff I've experienced. <laughs> and, you know, like here's but here's some other case studies. Screw the book. Like, you know, here's some stuff that's happening right now. But um, but yeah, so it's this weird thing tomorrow. You know, so all of all of us will have our phones and there is no opt out. So it, you're you're going to get it one o'clock or three o'clock. It'll buzz just like. You probably get it now on your phone if you have like the weather alert on if there's a tornado warning for your area or something like that. But uh those damn amber alerts. I don't I don't get the am I, I must not have that feature turned oh, on. While but I was getting one one a week. I'm like, how do I turn no, yeah, it amber, off silver, you know, they they've again that's that's something where they've gone so many layers into that now because they I, I believe they have the, the military veteran. Is it a green alert? Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's, um, but yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It, it, it's, it's weird. This thing, someone, someone contacted me today and, and I might be on a show after they want to kind of see how it plays out. But I'm like, I have no idea why. Well, is, uh, yeah. is the uh, text I'm going to get from president Trump saying, you know, Aaron Clary, your country needs you. Is it going to be tailored to each of us? <laughs> it might be. No, it's not going to be. I, I feel special and wanted. Hey, my country needs me. What do you want rally, me to do? Rally, Pay more taxes for the militia. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it just, I don't. Again, it's a redundant system to um, the emergency broadcast system. But there's another part of this too that um, after nine eleven, there was a big move 
with incident command system. So basically think of the wildfires, incident command system started, you know, in the sixties and seventies, mostly like CB radios and stuff out in California. So wildfire, different fire departments and agencies could communicate with each other on a common language. So get rid of all of the, the jargon and, and get down to either some common 10 codes or whatever the hell they were, they were using. But so after 9-11, there was this big push to standardize all of this across the country so everyone would have the same language. But it didn't happen at all. People, it's everything's encrypted. So like in New York, even within the police department branches and fire department, they can't communicate to each other. <laughs> it's really fucked up. I mean, it's horrible. So this whole thing of thinking this incident command system, everybody could talk to each other. If there was another 9-11 it would be significantly worse from a communication standpoint than it was on 9-11. And 9-11 was, see, it had a mix of analog and digital equipment and some other things that were kind of in the mix. And the batteries didn't last that long and you couldn't, you know, go through the the brick and, and uh, concrete and stuff like that, but with the signals. But yeah, it's really weird. It's really weird stuff now. There's a guy I interviewed, Fred Varian, who um, has been in communications for like 40 years and he was pointing out some of these things behind the scenes of how we're really becoming fragmented. Although like from a technical standpoint, we have this incredible technology at our hands. And if you look at the rescues that have been going on with Hurricane Florence, it's through these organizations, um, 501C3s that are using this app Zello. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's really effective. And these are like people in their homes who are doing the, they're dispatching like the the boats and stuff like that, but they could be like down in Illinois or you know still in Louisiana or something. But so once again, the private sector solved the problem. The public sector couldn't with FEMA. The private sector, absolutely. The private sector for for um, Hurricane um, Harvey with Houston, fourteen people worked at Zello at at the time that that hit, and they they scaled that app, and it was amazing. I mean, they they rescued tens of thousands of people. 14 people? 14 people it. at the time. Yeah. And since wow. it's scaled to about 30, and plus they've gotten more um, efficient with the app and they've been able to create like a ticket system. But oh my God. Yeah. FEMA, there's no way in hell. FEMA is still doing the 911. Call 911. <laughs> Problem with that is you're driving through counties. You don't know where you are at night. You know, you're, you've driven 80 miles from your home. I'm like, I don't know where the hell I am for county and, you know, what the research is. So, I, yeah, I know I the private sector's kicking ass on this stuff. I remember we were out at this uh, remote bar. You may have driven through. Did you ever go through Buffalo Gap DT? Uh, Say, I was gonna was... bring. I was gonna bring up. You got a ten dollar super chat. Oh, nine ninety nine. Okay, well, my my story is not as interesting as money. Nine I, nine, I think that's tied for our for our uh, top donation, isn't it? Uh, I think I got a ten dollar one a while Did ago. You get ten one cent more, so you're gonna get. <laughs> they got the they got the top score was ten bucks. Oh, I'm, I'm, ha I'm, happy. I'm very thankful someone donated ten bucks. That's going to be my gas expense for the week. So thank you. What what is uh, the this young is man, a sort of serious? Yeah, sort of serious question. Speaking mm -hmm. of nine eleven and disasters and getting stuff out there, but uh, Christopher Morales uh, says, "Wife walked out on me from one day to the next." Said I was perfect, but we were incompatible. Took my car and five thousand bucks, and currently in the process of divorce. How could this happen? Any thoughts? So, wife walked wait, out wait, on wait, me. Wait. Give, from give one me the day first the part next. again. Give me the first part again. Yeah, 
that's that's what I was trying to uh, understand your wife walked out on on me from one day to the next said okay. I was perfect but we are incompatible okay she lied car. about that if if you were perfect you yeah. would be compatible and there's so she lied about the reason she doesn't want to tell you the reason I I have no idea I, I need a lot more background information like did he gain weight is she finding another guy how long were they married? Um, yeah. And and then and then what was the question? He he, he wanted to know how could this I happen? Just, yeah, how could this happen? Any thoughts? Yeah. Have you seen women lately? Have you seen? Have you seen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I'm reading it too. You know, first thing, just you know, I'm sorry this happened. This this is absolutely this is horrible. But yeah, it's it's there's so little detail to. I mean, it's, it, I hate to say it, and we're going to talk about this later because I want to get uh, your guys' insight. And I'm very happy that TJ and Doc came on because they're going to serve specific roles. I want Doc's expertise. I want TJ to introduce the uh, article he sent. Um, <clears throat> but I am becoming increasingly more pessimistic. If you can imagine me being more pessimistic than I already was, um, I already had a pretty, I wouldn't say low opinion, but skeptical and distrusting opinion about quote women in general right but the behavior of the nation has compelled me that once i get all this other work done um we gotta start putting some numbers on what percentage of the female population either outright hates men or simply not capable of interacting with men right uh and even you know quote good ones bad um, the the sanctity of marriage itself is no longer what it's just like, oh, if you don't like it, get divorced. And in the olden days, it's like, no, you have kids. So, I mean, I have a ton of questions, but uh, in general, it's not surprising. I hate, I hate the, even in the conservative, non, non-leftist, libertarian type, you know, even traditionalism, um, I, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, and I don't know, in your particular case, it could be feminism, could be another guy, uh, but we have pampered women in this society so much that they're turning into spoiled little rotten feral beasts. And right. um, that may not explain it, but, you know, given the, the increasing amount of anecdotal evidence and empirical evidence, even um, I'm thinking there will come a time that unless explicitly Christian or Jewish or, Muslim or, you know, they, they add here to a religion. Yeah. Uh, I'd be very skeptical and cynical about the viability of a long-term marriage or a woman. Just, oh, I, I mean, Chris type, type in, I mean, did she just say it's not you, it's me and I'm bored. I mean, give us a little bit more here. Like how many years were you married? I mean, if this was like two years and like, Oh, it's not you, it's me and you guys and you're 20. Well, Okay. She's dumb and young and, and, you know, no offense. You're kind of young and dumb too because everybody's dumb when they're young. But if you're 70 and this is your wife of 50 years, well, shit, you got me then. Well, I mean, what I would say is that if all you lose is your car and 5,000 bucks, um, thank your lucky stars. That would oh. be my – I mean, if that's all it is, um, consider it lesson learned and yeah. you know, move yeah, on. Because that's, that's cheap. That's cheap. That's cheap. So um, – but yeah, yeah, I mean, women flake. I mean, they flake all the time, right? No matter if you're married or not, they flake on people. They just yeah, yeah. And, I and, mean, you're, you, 
I was, uh, I'm, I'm actually, I mean, as crazy as this sounds, but I've been working uh, with two researchers out of Iran who asked me to participate in a research project on resiliency. And it specifically has to do with women. <laughs> and, and these are two women researchers. And the one is regarded as the top researcher in psychology and specific to resiliency in, in um, Iran. And uh, we were going over some findings, I mean, in heavy qualitative analysis they've done. I mean, this is or, or quantitative, like the, the number work. But as you guys were saying, and Cappy, as you were saying, if you're adhered to a religious belief, you know, you have much more resilience, much less likely to um, divorce or leave your spouse. And we were having a conversation. I said, you know, in the U.S., just anecdotally, you know, what is it right now? It's one, I'm a victim. Or it's another, um, you know, that I am externally validated. I mean, how many people, especially, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, females going to Pinterest and the studies of, of females in their 40s going to Pinterest and getting the external validation off of that. So I think it is this thing where we've lost. It's become, you know, I'm a victim or I am and I'm not talking of sexual assault or anything, like that, but I'm a victim of, you know, student loans or debt or, or just societal structure or just being unhappy, um, you know, or that I need to constantly be externally validated. So I have no resiliency, you know, something gets tough and I'm gone. It's scary, man. I, I, yeah. And I, I would add to this because uh, most of our audience is male and the number one thing in your life is going to be females because you're programmed that way. And you could say you're MGTOW all you want. And, and if you've gone that way legitimately, I tip my hat. But um, you're programmed to want women. That's all that, you know, the opposite. Side. And uh, it, it it's increasingly becoming, I don't want to say apparent, but the data's coming in that this generation of women have been ruined. And, and when I call the millennials, I don't mean millennials in this case, but I use, I call the millennials a spoiled crop. You got to think about how devastating, not that is in terms of being a pejorative, but what that what that means. Like when you had a, a, a lost crop, that could spell famine. That could destroy a time. I mean, that's not a good thing. All that effort and labor putting into raising a crop is now wasted. Your year's worth of labor has been wasted and to great consequences. Humans take 18 years, sometimes 25 in the case of millennials, 35 before they get the fuck out of the house and actually become self-supporting adults. But let's just say 18 because that's what old people used to do. You spend almost two decades investing, getting this crop of people up and running. And uh, the, the women, maybe they, we invested a lot of resources, but they've been given some, some bad nutrients. They've been get, and now they're warped. Uh, to the point, I don't think that they're a wasted crop. They're not going to function as they historically have. Some of them who are listening to this are cheering. That's right. We're going to get it there. And, and I'm going to point out that 2 million years of human evolution probably knows more than 50 years of a bunch of pissed off feminists. Um, but when it comes to men interacting with them, you know, you, you're going to think, oh, there's something wrong. What did I do? No, trust you me. This is sadly likely a wasted crop, probably two generations of wasted crops now that we're looking at, where women are simply not capable of being wives. They're not capable of supporting a husband, be it emotionally, psychologically, 
or be it with the children or the household, or you switch the roles, the woman's the breadwinner and the guy take you know, house husband, that type of thing. I, they are so sold. And TJ, you and I have talked about, cause you're kind of in the front line of this. They are so sold on careerism and education Heck, education without a point, just getting can I, more can education. I break in here for a second, Cap? Yeah, uh, sure, go ahead. Christopher did uh, clarify, at least provided a little bit more information. All right. He said, my wife got her bachelor's and master's in bio with a minor in chem. I myself, my bachelor's and master's in bio and do quite well. Okay. So, um, yeah, I got... I guess that sort of gets at what you're getting at is that maybe it's just a career move too. You know, no, I mean, no, it, you, there could be any reason for it. Could it. Be anything. Yeah, we still don't have enough information. Yeah. I mean, if I knew how long they were married and, um, you know, if there's some other telling behavior. My, my larger point is since we don't know the details, nor do we want to necessarily go into details on this right. individual man, um, you know, keep his privacy. Um, yeah. In general, for the listening audience, do not expect a lot of women to be rushing to that, that altar, even if you want to get, you know, traditional marriage and have kids. And even when you are married, don't expect them to put the marriage in you and the family first. I mean, that's a necessary requirement to have a successful family. Doc, do you put your kids and your wife ahead of you? Well, yeah, I do. Okay, he's yeah. Got, say, he's yeah. got some more info now too, Cap. He says he thinks it's another guy. He was working okay. a lot of hours and numerous jobs, and she wasn't wearing a ring and increased oh, gas mileage oh, on the car. Oh, and yeah, then that's... here's the key. Here's the key. You, you, you're getting off lucky here, in my opinion. We were together three years, yeah. and and we're married for seven months. So this chick, it's it. Oh. In my opinion, I know it's hard. I know it's heartbreaking. But if all it is is a car and five thousand bucks, and you're this successful, you got your masters and fucking bio or whatever. Still young. Just yeah, you're still young. This is just take it as a learning experience. Um, be thankful that that she's just gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, you'll you'll move on from this and. Um... Um, because there aren't any any children, you know, you you can take a fiscal settlement on this and move on with your life. Heck, right. even um, it's not that. Even, I mean, three years isn't much of an investment, really. I mean, no. three years is not that long. It might seem like a long time. I don't know how old he is, but it's not that long. It's not that big of an investment. Be just be thankful you found out now and not later when you had kids or whatever. Think be, be th- thankful that she fucking flaked out on you immediately and just moved on, move on. There's, there's, there's so many people out there. They might be hard to find, but, you, but yeah. if, you, if you, if you think of yourself as the prize and, and you get your shit together and respect yourself, um, you can have a great life with or without women, but um, yeah, probably re- you'll probably attract women. If you start treating yourself right and, and treating yourself with respect and uh, not putting up with any shit. He's better off single. Let's not worry about other women because I, I honestly don't think, well, I know for a fact there's just not enough quality women to marry the number of quality men out there. There's just a huge deficit in that regard. Um, so don't worry about it. But, yeah, you're definitely better off being single. And, uh, God almighty, seven months of marriage. I mean, could that even, would that be annullable? Could you get that annulled instead? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's still a <laughs> car. That's like a that's a dickhead move, man. <laughs> it's a season of the Walking Dead. You know, I mean, that's how long it lasted. So, I mean, I don't mean to laugh or anything, but but I mean, it's yeah. She she just let it let it let it go, man. Just it, you're getting off easy with five thousand bucks in a car. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, there was another super chat here too. 
Okay, go ahead. What we got? Uh, Yosoy Chaparito, five bucks. I am a I am a little man. I'm a Chaparito. I don't know Yosoy Chaparito. I don't I don't know what that means. Yosoy. Yeah. Uh, hey hey Cappy, have have you heard of the Daily Mail article on the female porn star who became a pastor? No. Jesus. Should I look it up? Christ. <laughs> What the hell? Look it up, DT. Go ahead. Look it up. While you're doing that, I'll go through some of the basic uh, house cleaning here. Uh, Super chats are available, as some of you have already uh, discovered. If you want to donate or throw money or whatever, go to olderbrother.com slash donate. Also, uh, in that link is included the link to the Amazon affiliate program because I will take money, but it doesn't make sense to me as an economist why you would give me money and not expect anything in return. So instead... Let's do a win-win-win. Go use my Amazon affiliate program. Also found at olderbrother.com slash donate. You'll see a link to the Amazon banner there. Click on that. Do all your Amazon shopping through Cappy. The Lord, your God. Um, and then I get a 7% cut. You don't pay any more. And that way you get something in exchange. And then I added another page to the Older Brother website called Manly Stuff. Or maybe it's Manly Shit. Hang on. Let me take a look. Older is there a blog, Cappy, that goes just with Older Brother? Or No, there's just a website. Okay. You know, olderbrother.com? Yeah. I was wondering if, if that's something you had in the plans to roll out, you know. Was... No, I don't know. I'm not going to do a blog. I got my own blog. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost maxed out and tapped out in terms of what I can do in terms of social. You've been turning yeah. out a lot, a lot of material. And, and uh, yeah, your, your, uh, your post, um, God, I don't, I don't have it up, but the part one, part two, very... Yeah, uh, that that's a recommended you. read for anybody out there. Plus your uh, your interview with Rich Cooper, I listened to that um, on the way to work the other day. Uh, you know, both of you were on on game. I loved it. So yeah, yeah, Rich is cool. He's I'm going to have him and hopefully Terrence Pop, yeah. Mark Bovair on because uh, well, and Chris will probably want to listen to this where it's all divorce guys. And yeah. I'm going to have them on because I've never been married. I've never been divorced. And for those of us who have never been divorced, we don't know what that's like. And I have, I, I know this sounds like a really stupid question. And maybe it's just because I'm a cold hearted bastard, but I have seen it happen so many times where the wife gets the kids and has possession and then turns the kids against the husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the husband vainly i'm not saying immorally he, he's morally fighting to get possession of his kids and he wants and i've gotten a couple asshole consulting requests with like how do i get my kid to listen to me how do i get my kids to love me and i the, I, the honest i'm like look i know you're a, you love your kids da, 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 da. i say can you just let the wife have full-time possession and when the kid graduates from college and a year after and life is not going the way the wife said then you intervene, then you provide fatherly. Because all I see is fathers painting themselves, wasting their time. And it just, the calculus in me says, let them alone. You're going on a sabbatical from your children, which I guess is impossible because I've never had kids. And you're like, yeah, let the mom take care of it. Yep, it's all yours. And then when the kid finds out that Ma lied or Ma didn't know everything she thought she knew, and Mom was a lying cunt, uh, that she says, oh, well, Dad, I said, I told you. I told you not to – and to film it, you know, to record it, to re- have a, a time-stamp letter. I said, I want you to read this, put it back in the envelope, and we're going to talk in 10 years. 
so that and then then you win in the long term. Like I said, that you're not you're not here to win your kid over when you're 13. You're there to win them over when you're 30 or they're 30 because then they're adults and they understand. Um, You'd almost have to have no emotion to do that, though. I mean, it, it I mean, I love my kids more than anything. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what I mean. Real men, and no, no offense, no offense to anybody. Real men love kids. We love them. We I love kids. Them. We want to protect them. I'm not saying you, Cappy. I'm saying anybody listening. Um, we want to protect them. That's why we go fucking die in war. I mean, we love children, and this idea that we don't is total and complete bullshit put out there by women trying to trying to deify themselves as mothers. Um, men love their kids and it, and I know people who have a hard time seeing their kids and it just kills them. And so I think logically, maybe that makes sense, but you miss out on so much good stuff. But you're not, that's my whole point. If you're divorced. Yeah. But even, even if, I mean, these moments that these dads get with their kids, whatever it is, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll drive, uh, hundreds of miles. They'll, I mean, they'll do whatever they need well, to Terrence do. Terrence Pop drove across New York and Philadelphia all the way from Chicago, yeah. Detroit, I think it was. Yeah. They'll do whatever they need to do to see their kids. That's how much they love them. And, and you know, this idea that we don't is just complete bullshit. And, you find that uh, article or? Yes, I did. I did. Okay. There's Go some ahead. Good, there's some good quotes. <laughs> okay, go ahead and read it because this is just well. Something. It's pretty long, but I'll try. I'll try to do the highlights here. But anyway, it's on ABC News actually. from porn star to pastor. How this New York woman turned her life around. Turned. I don't know if it's necessarily turned her life around based on what I'm seeing, but um, so Crystal Bissett, which is a good enough porn name already. I mean, she that's her real name, Crystal Bissett. A 33-year-old mother of three and her husband, David, are pastors at the New Beginnings Christian Life Church in upstate New York. Uh, it's a relatively new role for Bissette. Until three years ago, she was a porn star. So this chick is three years three years sober, quote-unquote, <laughs> and, and leading a church. <laughs> her screen name was Nadia Hilton, which Crystal Bissette almost sounds sexier. Uh, I like uh, it better. Yeah. And she starred in over 100 adult films. Looking back on it now, she said she was shocked that her mind and body got to that point where it just became this normal thing. So what it goes through here is that um, is that she was this good kid in high school. I was on the honor roll in high school and was a varsity cheerleader. And then she got pregnant when she was 16. Accidentally, just happened. Yeah, just happened. And she started stripping to make money and moved to California to give her son a better life. Here's, a, here's an interesting quote. We grew up poor, very poor, she said. I wanted to give him all the things. I didn't have a snowmobile. I didn't have four-wheelers. I didn't have any of that stuff as a kid. Um, most of us don't, and most yes, of us still don't. Jesus. <laughs> That's the bar? Okay, I'll spread my legs so I can get a snowmobile. Um Bassett said an agent discovered her and convinced her to try pornography. Uh, she didn't like it the first time. She sat in the shower and cried for two hours, but she went back for the money because she was making thirty thousand uh, bucks a month. She became a star. Thirty thousand a month. Yep. Yep. Uh, I have he, tears of joy for God's sake. And here's the great quote. This is this is actually pretty. This is pretty uh, uh, self-aware, and you'll like it. 
So it says, and soon Bissette came, became a star. People recognize you all over the place, she said. It was just weird, you know, because when you think about it, they're recognizing me because of something that is not talent. <laughs> <laughs> that's not <Yikes>. talent. <laughs> it's not like I'm curing cancer or anything. That's I'm adding that on. But uh, so she got uh, really uh, famous, really rich. She bought, you know, a house, bought a Ferrari, uh, started her own nightclub, um, spending money all the time. But then she said, I started taking painkillers and hydrocodone and drinking alcohol to get through the scene. I was numbing myself. And here's a here's a big one that I'm sure all of you will, will go, of course. She said she was also coming to grips with the sexual abuse. She said she suffered as a child. I had a, I had a bad abusive childhood. I was sexually abused by two different people as a child. That, I think, is a huge impact on why I got into the adult industry. I was constantly seeking for male attention I didn't get when I was a kid. So, um, so she went from one drug to another. She went from porn yeah. to, to <laughs> Christianity. All right. So she got into a, it looks like she got into a, a car crash because uh, she was drunk. Um, and she had stitches down the side of her face. And it was her wake up call. She started going to church with her sister. And she decided to leave the porn industry for good. The final scenes she shot were especially difficult. I actually started reading the Bible when I was on the set, she said, adding that by the end of her porn career, I hated doing porn because I wasn't taking pain medicine or anything like that. It was like it was everything it was like it was everything was sinking in. It was horrible. And then she met the good pastor who probably was well aware of her. St. <laughs> <Saint> Richard. <laughs> pastor David Bassett. The first day I noticed her, she was wearing these high heels that were like crazy big, he said. And I looked at her and thought, man, she's got it going on. <laughs> and I'm like, too tall, not interested. I'm a short guy. <laughs> so I don't know. There's more There's more to this article I can look. But uh... <laughs> um, let me do I'm, this sure, I'm sure he noticed her because she was so Christian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the, isn't, you said she's a pastor now? Apparently, yeah. Okay, so we know this is a bullshit dead branch of Christianity because, right. it, it, you know, and again, before you say, oh, you just hate women. No, I think there should be women pastors. I think there should be gay pastors. I think gays should get married. I think gay should, you should have gay churches. The problem is, the paradox is, that debunks the entire religion because if they were wrong about okay. that, then Here what we... else are they wrong about? Here we um, go. Here we go. Right. So she eventually landed a job as a legal assistant. She and David got married, and their son, Carter, came along soon after. But Crystal's past continued to haunt her. David said the negative attention they received forced him to leave his church, so they decided to form their own. Oh, fuck. So the, the church kicked him out, and now they form their own <laughs> porn church. <laughs> the church of porn. The church of porn. Uh, uh, with us, there was no judgment on people, she said. People felt free. It didn't matter if you came through the doors with full body piercings and tattoos and stuff. We didn't judge them. Everybody's got a past and a present. <laughs> what um, does it say? What uh, accredited uh, seminary school she attended to get her uh, answers <laughs> in divinity? <laughs> She went to the uh, let the first person who has not sinned cast the first stone <laughs> class for three regular payments of nineteen ninety five mailed to Bob's Seminary Hut. You will yeah. get your certification and ordainment in the mail. 
I had, a, I had a friend do that when I was in college. Seriously. Who I'm knows? a reverend. Was, is it a I'm universe? A yeah. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. You can go online. You can become a reverend. Yeah. yeah that's, can. What, that's what he, that's what he did. I think it was like a hundred bucks and, and. Oh, uh, it's no money. It's no money. Oh, he all? paid. He paid. Oh, uh, soccer. <laughs> and it was out of Minnesota, this place that, that, uh, but it was all through the mail and, and uh, yeah, you know, a couple of exchanges of money and forms and it was it. Enjoy, any of you guys enjoy the did, decline. Enjoy the decline. <laughs> Any of you guys ever date a Wiccan priestess? Like I'm a Wiccan. You I went to a wedding. Hey, did you ever go to anybody go to Mars? Did anybody go to Mars out there? How about uh, <laughs> did you date a Wiccan? Question for TJ. Yeah, TJ, you ever date a Wiccan? <laughs> TJ. Yeah, no. Podcast twenty one. <laughs> no, I, 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 no. I, I don't. I'm, I'm trying to think of. Oh, there's hesitation. Well, no, I'm just trying to think of a comparison. Like, yeah, I know nothing that nothing close to that crazy. Like a priestess crazy, or something. But... Well, no, like uh, the girls I've dated have been more or less within just normal in terms of views on on religion or anything like that. Like nothing where you know she's not inviting me to her shrine in her basement in the crawl space <laughs> or something like that right that's like that's like when you're like okay time to just run <laughs> uh wiccans are great man they're they're just um john Steele's probably banging at the door right now because he knows but wiccans are crazy in the sack they are that's the one read they're crazy outside of the sack and they're crazy in the sack and um they're just weird just totally weird um but no, I was wondering if any of you guys have. I guess I'm worshiping okay, a fertility goddess. Will do that, I guess. But what's weird now? What's considered weird? Well, <laughs> comparatively speaking, they're not. Uh, it, I would have an easier time dating a Wiccan priestess ordained uh, over the internet or not uh, than I would your rank socialist feminist. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of these. That's a, a problem. These, oh, go ahead. Sorry. A lot of these gals, now the, a lot of these gals, when they became Wiccan priestesses, they did it to fill a void. You know, it's not real. I know John is probably screaming right now, um, and it was something for them to do. Uh, both of the girls were pretty much losers, um, and it, they're just trying to fill the void with something. Uh, same thing with this porn star, and I'd say by and large, same thing with the vast majority of women uh, majoring in worthless subjects right now. They're taking whatever religion they may have grown up with, they're throwing it out the door and they're replacing it with a new religion of some variantism all under the umbrella of socialism. So it could be environmentalism, feminism, socialism itself. Um, what's another veganism. Um, it, it, that's what it is. So, I mean, it, it's part and parcel. It's all the same thing, but with a, with a, uh, a Wiccan priestess, there's some creativity points there. It's like, okay, all right, you get bonus points for that. And they did like sex. They they were not against penis. So I guess, <laughs> yes, Wiccan priestesses outrank your standard socialist feminist uh, college graduates. Yeah, you, you know, if you, I you just don't marry them. Oh, God, no. Jesus, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, that's, that's kind of the point. It's like when you're dating, you're talking about what's normal and what's crazy. It's like, okay, well, but. Uh, what what realm do we have where a, a girl a, a girl's belief is like yeah she might be good uh, marriage material as opposed to just dating because you know people would think well, Wiccan obviously you're not gonna want to marry that but 
you know, a mainstream religious, you know, depending on what your religious background is or none, I would say that a lot of them seem normal, but then you start asking them questions about what they actually believe. And you're like, oh my God, it's just as crazy. It's just, it's layered around a, a veneer of sanity. Mm. Or so TJ, but are you also seeing though this this default where it is um for example, you know, God will fix everything. God will fix the student debt. Um in in that I, I that's something I've been studying more in, in kind of the psychological I call it the handoff of I'm not taking responsibility and um it's being handed over either to the state or else to the religion saying you know, the Lord has a plan. <laughs> the number of girls I dated, that's so that have, bullshit. You don't have to take responsibility um, for anything. And and you can quickly just dismiss what has happened as, you know. Um, They're well, advocating I mean, it, responsibility for poor choices. That's I've saw it. Now, I did date a fair amount of Christian girls. I don't know. I went through the spate of all these girls that went to like uh, – Crown or Northwestern or Bethel, DT knows where these are. These are Christian colleges. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but I was like a magnet to them. And the amount of hypocrisy and insult to the religion and to God, if you believe in God and Jesus, the insult and the abuse of the religion that these girls would use, they just use Christianity as an excuse to abdicate responsibility, not plan. Because they, they were fatists. They were like, well, well, the Lord has a plan, and it will just come to me. It's like, well, why don't you go study calculus? Oh, no, no, God would have told me to study calculus. Like, oh, you lazy fucking bint. You just don't want to do any work. You're waiting for, like, some Mr. Rich Dick pre- preacher guy to come in. Uh, and it, the trust you me, it, they, they are – I'd rather date a socialist feminist than I would some fake Christian girl. That's, that's what's happening. That's what you're seeing. Mrs. DT had a great point about this whole Kavanaugh stuff. See, I'm very anti-God. I'm actually a misotheist. I kind of hate the motherfucker. I think he's an asshole. But um, but she finally, she's always kind of rolled her eyes or it's kind of, and we both come from a Christian background. We were both Christians. We were full-on Christians. If you go go to blackbrigade.org and listen to my uh, previous podcast, you can hear the story. But but I hate him now. And she she came, yesterday she looks at me and she's like, you know, uh, Christians should really look at how God has abandoned Kavanaugh. <laughs> She's absolutely right. I mean, the shit that this guy is going through when his fucking kids are praying for the woman, the most yeah. powerful part of his most powerful part of his testimony when he's talking about his kid praying for this fucking right. bitch that's trying to des- destroy his life. Right. And and in yeah, it's a nice thought. But and that's why kids are great because kids come up with those thoughts. It's true, but that's not the world that we live in. And it's like, come on, God, give this guy a hand who's fucking. And he was a virgin in high school and college. Um, you know, he's he's basically given his life to your service. And and uh, my God, my God, you've forsaken him. You know, and God's a fucking asshole. He's an asshole. <laughs> um. Here is, I wanted to show this. Uh, I have master, well, not really master. I want to give a screen share uh, of you guys. Take a look at this gal here. Do you guys recognize this gal? Okay, where are you sharing it on? Can you can you see it on the broadcast? Yeah, yeah I no, I I don't recognize her. All right, okay, now this, it's coming up on your okay okay. 
This gal's name is Haley Koch. Coach? Coke? I think Haley Coke, like Coke Brothers. Um, and you can read down here. This is over. This is 13 years old. Elizabeth Haley Koch is an American left-wing student, queer activist, and cabaret performer. She was born to Susan and Christopher Koch, Emmy and Peabody Award-winning filmmakers. This is coming back to me now. I remember I said, why is it sound familiar? She graduated from Sidwell and Friends, which is a school that all the president's kids go to, of Washington, D.C. in 2005. She's a student at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, performing in performance studies, minor in sexuality studies. Uh, Haley Koch, so this is like your, your proto-social justice warrior. Yeah, this Christ. is a typical, you know, spoiled, rotten, rich kid. Uh, Haley Koch traveled to 25 countries in Africa and the Middle East somewhere between July 5th and August 2006 because she had the money and never worked it. Oh, I'm sorry. She hey, danced call, naked. Call her Haley Cock. Yeah, Cock. that's what you want to call her. You call her that to start. <laughs> well, well, you're going you're gonna to get a laugh out of this, boys and girls. You're going to find out where I'm going. Um, she danced naked as, with the member of the Himba tribe while in South Africa. She plans to do ethnographic research on sodomites in Europe and the Balkans during the summer of 2009. <clears throat> Haley Cock calls herself a radical queer femme incest artist activist. Dude, she was way ahead of the curve. Look at all that. She was like so social justice warriory with a love for social justice and sparkles. Oh. Blah, 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 blah. Now... <clears throat> Do you know? Do you know why I wrote an article about her, uh, exposing her for just this bint that she is? What? Guess what she's doing now? Uh, hmm. I, she's yeah. She's a pastor. Let's say. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's continue with the pastor thing. Hang on, I gotta look it up. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, anticlimactic. Sorry. I I deleted the I closed the window here. Hang on. She like, married into the powerful Coke family. Just, so nope. that she is no longer Haley Cock, but is she Haley is, Coke. She is now Chloe Camellia. Oh. And she is a porn star. She's <laughs> oh porn. God. And I want to point out to all you fathers out there and to all you feminists out there, one, fathers, the quickest way to get your daughter to be a stripper is to make sure she majors in worthless shit. <laughs> and feminists, I want to point out that even one of your own finally realized that the number one thing men want in this world is sex and that you, she had to resort to that. No so matter how you much you said you were independent, you don't need no man, you still do need a man. And you're going to, I, again, not against strippers. But this is not an intellectual pursuit we're going after, and it's admitting defeat. You ended up saying, I'm going to appease the sexual desires of men. So, so she yeah. went to Africa and danced naked with a bunch of African dudes, and then all of a sudden is doing porn. I imagine she's uh, seen very widely on the BBC. I, I don't know. This is 13 years ago. I bet you what ended up happening is there comes a time where you can't qualify for student loan money anymore. <laughs> and maybe her parents, here's a very possible thing that happened. Her dad got wiped out in the financial crisis. This was 2005. That was the peak. Right. You know? And daddy, and she graduated and you could go to college and all that. And all of a sudden they get wiped out or dad just has enough. And I'm sick and tired of you running with your tits, hanging out with the Ukubuku tribe thinking they're going to be a dominant global power one of these days through touch and feels. Uh, I'm cutting you off, and she's going to show dad, and now she's a she's a porn star. Not a stripper, a porn star. I'm sure they were dominant in some way. 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember, being a housewife was just too humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You're just too subjected to the husband. Oh, God. Sorry, yeah. degrading. Uh, degrading. Sorry. That was the word. Degrading. Being a housewife was just too degrading. Yeah. Well, did she get her pictures in the National Geographic? <laughs> oh my God! The, here's here's a good point to point out to to Chris, who's going through a divorce. These girls do get their comeuppance. I mean, you can't live this delusional world um, for long. I mean, you, okay, you can live for long, but in the end, it it comes to bite you in the ass because. Soon people aren't going to tolerate your shit, or you lose your looks, and it's like get the sexual hell out market of you. value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. destroys you. It's going to happen. But uh, um, let me uh, give a shout out here real quick to Orion's Cold Fire to OriansColdFire dot com. He's a sponsor of the show, and then the Quintessentialist, uh, the hyphen Quintessentialist dot com. Search him. He has a book out on the Great Emu Wars. E M U. Australia had a, a war. They declared war on a bird. And it is true, just as it is funny. So I wanted to shout, to give a shout out to those guys because they keep paying me, and I uh, do not do the job. I what do like. the Ryan's? What does the Ryan's guy do? What did you say? The Orion's oh, Cold Fire. He just has a blog and he writes uh, okay. conservative stuff. But um, I say his main selling point is the photography because um, okay. he's gone to a ton of national parks and like stood in exact spots I've been. And I'm like, ah, oh, you're there. Ah, oh, you're there. Ah, oh, you're there. And they're really cool pictures. You know, I have my little cell phone picture, but he's he's got like a real camera with some real pictures. So if you want to take a break from politics, um, that's certainly a place to go. And chicks dancing naked with African tribes. Yeah. I don't think he <laughs> takes a picture of ugly shit. Of <laughs> uh, we got anything else in the chat? Do we have any super chats? No money since that last one. Yeah. Okay, good. We can... Move on here. Um, TJ, why don't you introduce that article? I got it up here. Why don't you tell uh, everybody about the article you sent me about UW and the uh, little website that came up there? Yeah, one second. Let me pull it up. So um, I want to make sure I'm just doing this, saying it accurately. So there's a a student-created website that allows for anonymous sexual assault allegations but as the the daily which is the university of washington's newspaper is saying that it's it's vulnerable to defamation charges and as a i've been a reporter since i was in high school and i can say that if you publish stuff online like out, claiming this stuff against private individuals because the the defamation charges differ if you're a public figure compared yeah. to a private figure so it's much easier to do that to basically people who are private individuals are much more protected from this stuff so unless there's police charges filed if they publish names on this stuff that they, they can get sued and so there's a it, the site's called make them scared you dub and it allows users to anonymously according to the article accuse people of sexual assault and harassment in less than a week dozens of allegations have been made against Jesus. men both within and outside the UW community um and so since its launch on Monday, September 24th, moderators have requested additional information from accusers that they say they are using to vet the allegations. That, I'm sorry, the, the fact that this, <clears throat> the website's even up. Well, I agree. yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is. Moderator is now a police investigator. 
to vet this? Well, you know what? Uh, here's the thing. It's not going to last very long because if they get sued, they're going to get sued. They, they will have no they will have no defense. I, I can tell you from my knowledge of um, libel and defamation of character, um, it's, it's with private individuals. I mean, there's newspapers that have been sued when they are reporting a person's name um, when they've been arrested by the cops. If you don't pu- publish their entire name and all the factual information, if someone else has the same right. name as him, they can sue you successfully right. because it's hurting their reputation. You need to print the full name. You need to say what the like as much information as possible, like what how old they are. So um, if they do any of this stuff, I mean, look at what happened to the Rolling Stones. They just got completely taken to the clean. You think these idiots would learn from this stuff? Right. The Rolling Stones, what the the band? Yeah, no, the the band or the magazine? <laughs> no, the oh, magazine. The, 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 yes, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, the, the Rolling Stones published um, that article, which, by the way, if I had ever turned in a story like that to any of my editors, they'd have probably well, first of all, they would have fired me on the spot. It done. If I'd ever handed him a story like the one that was published by, I can't remember what the name was. Um, she was the mattress chick, right? The one that had the mattress. No, no, no. no. no this was this was the the alleged fraternity, you know, sexual assault on on shards of glass. Which, by the way, guys, oh, if Jesus. anybody's got the slightest cut from a piece of glass, you know how difficult it is to get that that bleed. Anyways, the the point is. The Rolling Stones magazine got sued by the by someone at the university, and it got it's getting sued by the fraternity because they. It's just how how many times do these people have got to get sued before they learn? Well, they have they have an agenda, and that's where I, where I wanted you to lead with this because it's it's one article that's in part of a theme of um, of a, of a trend. Uh, have any, uh, TJ, did you go to the site and actually look at what they list? It's basically a Wiktionary type of entry website. I, I I didn't actually look at the site. I don't really want to visit it, but it's it's bone chilling that these sites exist and that I'm a what I'm just I'm a, I'm a person who whenever I see a situation like this, I'm always looking down the road and saying, what's going to be the inevitable logical conclusion? of right. this right what we're going to have in our society we're eventually going to have an east german style society in which you cannot talk to anyone about anything anywhere without wondering whether it's going to appear on social media whether you're being recorded whether the person's going to report you whether you're going to have false accusations i mean look at what happened to the communist party in bolshevik russia under stalin these guys were party members and they were falsely accused of crimes and yeah. you know, like 90 percent of the party was purged during stalin's uh, show trials so and these were people who are dedicated to their cause so i just see that happening here where people and the other thing is people want to get their their 15 seconds of fame so they're going to make false false accusations they're going to want to get as much as they can out of a say a bad date or whatever they just make it up because they want to be part of it well, yeah. let me let me tell you what it what it looks like because I went there and read through it. It's a wiktionary wiktionary entry, um, and it basically is provide the guy's name. So they provide the guy's name, school, what happened, did you report to the authorities? The vast majority say no. A handful are actually legitimate. I would believe them because they said yes, I did report to the authority, and there was an actual rape. The vast majority of them say no, and it's it's not rape. It's okay. He felt maybe sexual. Uh, 
assault or um, aggression. I don't know what, what the legal terms are. Um, there's usually booze or pot involved willingly on the part of the girls. Uh, and then they wanted to know if these people were part of a fraternity. And if you're concerned about sexual assault and rape and you want to end and you want to be fair about it, what do you – What? okay, how do I want to put this? The people that are listed as the rapists and sexual assaulters, what do they all have in common? They're white males. They're males. I don't know if they're white males. Maybe they're not white. Males. Yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of uh, false accusations against brothers too. Yeah. Right. Well, my my whole point is there's not one woman listed in this whole thing. Um, I don't know what their their hard on is for getting fraternity people, but TJ basically had it right. Uh, not only in the legal interpretation and like, yeah, the, any one of you guys, I mean, going up there, you could go and sue the living piss out of these people. But I don't believe I'd say 92% of the accusations up there. This is attention whoring. This oh, yeah. is stick it to the man. This is fight patriarchy. Um, and as I alluded to before, when we we're talking to Chris, uh, unfortunately about his divorce, how women have been, co-opted and turned into a wasted crop. I'm not saying that what happened to them was right. You certainly should not have your boobs felt on a date. You certainly should not have um, a guy have you hold his dick. I mean, you read through some of them. This is like middle school, high school bullshit. Uh, and I'd say so you, sh you shouldn't be there while you're drunk or high on pot either, but you know, neither here nor there. Um, they, they are just, uh, completely delusional in a lack of situational awareness and it, our program to say, I'm a victim. This is a crisis and it's rape. I've, they, been I've been trying to figure out what we should do about this today at work. I was, uh, be careful. Uh, yeah. I was alone in a car with a woman driving to a meeting and I was also in a room with two women, just me, the only guy, in a meeting. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, with all this Kavanaugh stuff going on, it's like, oh, yeah. is that smart? Is it smart for me to be doing that? It's, it's and, not. It, but but, but it, it is not. But but it's like, are we supposed to completely, yeah, because of a few fucking idiots that are doing it, are we supposed to shut everything down? The good women who would never do anything like that, who wouldn't even think of it? Are we supposed yeah. to, you know, be be suspicious of everyone like these people want us to be? They want us to be. Uh, they want us to be in our little groups. They want us divided. They want us suspicious of each other. And so I'm, I'm thinking, what if I was accused of something? What if a woman said, "Right, right, old, old DT, you, you grabbed my leg in the car and and you made a pass at me, and I'm going to get you fired or whatever," you know. I'm, I'm going to make you, you agree. You agree and amplify. Don't you agree and amplify? Don't get defensive right away. Say, say, well, well, you strapped one on, you put it up my fucking ass. You just, you just, you agree and amplify in these your, bitches. Your daily Jeez, reminder. What kind of car do you have? But you're, DT, you're right. You know, you, but you are right with these allegations. And, and I've, I've talked about this before. And I, I actually think I, I had a counter way to help people defend against this. And it was weird because I ran it past an attorney 
was kind of working with me on this. And he said, Ooh, that's a thorny response. That was his exact, that's exactly what he said. This is a thorny way to approach it. Not that it wouldn't be effective, but I'm not going to go on the air with you. I won't like, <laughs> you can't mention me and anything that you post about this because like, I'm not going to be out at the forefront of saying this is a strategy to combat this. I'm like, well, what the hell? Seriously? He's like, you're on your own, dude. So yeah, I'm with you. And, and you know, the part that's missing, you know, between. So, so you're with me and uh, basically uh, accusing them right back of something even worse. It's like no, that no, no, scene no. in I'm Clear and Present that. Danger. I'm saying I'm with you that this is this is the fear, though, that is going through every guy's mind. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fear. And the other part that's missing here is the doxing. You know, it is once right. it's you, but now it's your family. I mean, look at um, Gavin McInnes on one of his latest shows was saying, his kids now are being doxxed and, um, you know, and, and, but granted, like, you know, just at softball or little league games and stuff like that. So he said for the first time, you know, his kids, like, you know, five and eight, he's, he's having to kind of deal with some of this stuff that's going directly toward his kids. And I mean, I, I think everything is off the table. You know, there used to be remember the decency in prisons, like Shawshank Redemption, you know, at the start when there was some decency, but even in this process, I think the decency is gone. I think even, if someone is out to get you, they even, go after your kids. Right. right. Even the mob um, back in the 30s in Chicago, they got together and said, okay, we got to have some rules for how we engage with each other. And one of the number one rules was you don't touch family. You don't go after mm-hmm. wives. You don't go after kids. If you've got uh, relatives that aren't a part of the the family crime, whatever, that you couldn't go harass them. And it, you know, people think that the Godfather was making that up. No, that was a very firm rule. They had a bunch of other rules, but yeah, it's it's a sad state when the mafia have higher moral standards than some of these people. But it's also your daily reminder that Mike Pence has yet to be accused of sexual okay. assault. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, I that it was the most telling for me. I'm not a huge fan of Mike Pence, but when that his policy was revealed, the response by so many people was just of just absolute hate towards this guy. And it was because he had checkmated them because right. he, he created a policy where he was impregnable to false accusations and they immediately started nitpicking at his policy, which you think they would say, well, you know, is there it wasn't. It, it, the reaction was, we're angry at you for um, protecting yourself. Like, why, why, what exactly, what, there, no, none of these people have proposed, here's what you can do to prevent yourself from being false accused. In their mind, a false accusation is not even part of the equation. It's only, exists, yeah. and so I, I always just keep pointing to people and say, if you've got a problem with what Mike Pence's policy was, I, your, your opinion doesn't matter. I don't care what you have to say you've you've shown your cards yeah and I, I think pence has has gained more respect over time in general from you know people looking at that and saying that you know i, I respect that position in light of well, everything called that's going it. on. He called yeah. it a mile away and the other thing i mean i think I, I think we need to come back you know dtu said you would counter so let's say that there was a claim that was you know against you a false claim your your approach would be to, to counter i'm just curious because yeah, like, this I, is i don't i don't know this is where i work with people and they're like what should i do next that's what i'm trying to think of something practical that normal guys can do now if you're famous 
and you can and and, and you're making money, you know, uh, based on your name and all that. You can you can put up these barriers to protect yourself, and you and you have to because you're a famous person. But I'm talking about normal everyday people. It's the normal people. This whole Brett Kavanaugh thing, where you can bring up something and ruin a guy's life. You know, it's going to filter down into, and it ha- already has. I'm sure it happens all the time, where it somebody does. loses their job over false allegations, or you know, somebody doesn't like you, so they just make something up, or or so a woman comes on to you and you shoot them down, and then they want to destroy you and 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 make something up and get you fired from your job. And so, and I think that the immediate reaction is to defend yourself. And I just think of that scene in Clear and Present Danger with Harrison Ford, where he's talking about. Uh, the the president is friends with this drug dealer or whatever, and the media comes at him and says, "Was he one of your friends?" And and the and uh, Harrison Ford, Jack Ryan's telling the president to say, "No, he's a good friend." Oh, so you're saying he is one of your good friends? No, he is a lifelong friend. You know, and just keep raising it so they've got nowhere to go. You have that scripted. You got to have that ready. So maybe work right. on some lines and some rules. Um, but I. I you're concerned, like, should you have been concerned, you know, is this going to happen? Da, 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 da. You don't even know if they're going to call you 36 years later. You could be a nobody now, but down right. the road all of a sudden you're, you're But I'll tell you this, and this is what every young man out there needs. So I wish I wish I could say every young girl, but this is strictly on your girl's part. This is strictly an assault on men by women. Um, <clears throat> men, it, it's like the Muslims. Uh, are the majority of Muslims radical and going to blow up? buildings and planes no but 10 percent of them based on polls are right and one in ten it only takes that's a lot <laughs> that's a lot and i i think this and we'll get to it but i got other stuff to go over here because i'm channeling you guys all down this canyon i want you to run um but it's it's sadly i think just to err on the side of caution you gotta you gotta pull a pence you gotta bring a camcorder or a web or recording I'm device you. you say i think you've yeah no i'm with you aaron I, I, I am. I would, from, yeah. I don't work in a, in a office environment. I work um, at home or wherever I want online. But if I was working in, in a, a corporate environment, I would immediately demand the HR come up with a policy that is basically clarify, you know, what uh, I would force the conversation and say so that they have to come up with a policy in which men who don't feel comfortable in those situations have, I mean, basically create a safe space for men um, legally where they cannot be, um, where they are protected from being falsely accused of something like that. And if they refuse to do that, you can, I mean, this is the thing is that men, we have a tendency to try to keep things like fix things or make it work. Uh, with this kind of stuff, at some point you got to just say, no, we're going to make life painful in response, we're not going to play the game. Kind of like what Mike Pence is doing. Every guy needs to do that. And if everybody, uh, you, you know, Cappy, you're talking about how not all of them are like that. But the problem is most will just do nothing. They're going to just go with the flow. But if they're made to feel pain as a result and inconvenience, they're going to respond and actually take action to fix it. Or the insult. I mean, I I imagine, DT, if you walked in with a with a camcorder or a recording device, I'm sorry, I do this to protect myself. And these girls were totally innocent. And they had no, well, how dare you? It's like, I don't care. Right. I don't care. Yeah. I am not going to, I have to protect myself now. And I wish you would respect that. Uh, uh, but we are not, uh, or, or your boss says, hey, you and Susie drive up to the Duluth office. No, 
No, I'm not driving up with Susie to yeah. the Duluth office. I'll drive up with Bob. I'll drive up by myself. We'll drive separate cars, but I am not in the same car with Susie. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And you, and if boys did this, if boys universally did this, just as I hope people would universally boycott Starbucks or Target, but Republicans, I just love my coffee so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if enough boys did say, I'm sorry, it would start to grind down and cause corporations like efficiency you would drive up costs like i'm not doing this i'm just not you know so cappy i had a thought imagine if in response regardless of whatever happens to kavanaugh um that boys in high school said we are no longer going to any parties where there's mixed company we're not asking anyone out to like across the country they just said we're not doing homecoming we're not kind of happening already right right. they're just just saying we're not doing this anymore and because we just and and parents are also imagine if parents and fathers god forbid they actually you know say something but they go you, you oh. have a nice long christmas wit, lit, wish list don't you tj you have a nice delusional <laughs> christmas wish list all right continue on what do you want for for christmas little TJ? <laughs> uh along with the red rider uh bb gun um i want i would say imagine if they collectively just said we're not going to do this anymore because that's the problem is that they won't do that, but that would bring pain to, it just kills me that so many people say, well, it's not going to happen to me. It's only going to happen to other people. It'll never happen to my son. And then his son, you know, has his life destroyed. Like that one kid I read about in, I think it was Colorado Springs or whatever, where just as a total prank, these girls were falsely accusing him and the school was completely destroying this kid's life and whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm just thinking, why do people put up with this stuff? Like, why do you just say, no, you, you, this is the situation in our society and culture. And until it changes, we're not going to participate. We're not opening up our sons to being falsely accused of something 30 years down the line, 20 yeah. years down the line, 15 years yeah. down the line. And one thing I was discussing with my friend is whether this whole Kavanaugh thing is going to prompt a, what we would call a mother bear reaction where, mothers across the country are going to be watching this and thinking this could be my son when he's trying to get into say a prestigious university he's trying I think to so. a prestigious job and they're thinking well and they're also thinking well what was i doing in the 1980s in high school and college you know i'm pretty sure not everybody like most people were not nuns and monks and they were not all living these uh you know these flawless saint-like lives and so they're thinking if he's getting chastised for drinking a beer as a teenager and that's holding up a guy with who's been uh, background checked by the FBI repeatedly so that he has access from what I understand to the nuclear codes. Right. I was like, okay, then anybody can be destroyed. Completely. I, I think that there's, there could be a reaction, but I think that it needs to be felt in, in a lot of different ways so that they realize this is having an impact socially. I, I like the idea of we and us and the nation and society and women and men. I'm going to be a little bit more practical and say, guys, cover your asses individually. Um, I don't think American men, especially conservative American men, fathers in particular, have the balls to do anything about this. Um, I don't think women have uh, the balls either, or I, I hate to say it. I think they haven't that much of a wasted crop. They don't have the incentive um i've seen enough women treat their sons like shit because they love feminism more than they do their own children 
Um, so co cover your own ass and don't worry about what the rest of society does because, I mean, that you, you control what's nearest to you and that is you. So I think, you know, and I hate to say it, um, you know, bring a camcorder, not camcorder, what do they call them? No, a body cam. Yeah, just body. an audio recorder would be enough. Yeah, something. I mean, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Have have the have the release form yeah. uh, on a date. Say, I want you to sign this. And I mean, that's going to be shocking if, like, all of a sudden, hundreds of of men start. Yeah, uh, on a date, uh, you'd have to. Well, do on a date, like, like, you need to sign this release form. You know, and we could see chaperones. Basically, hired chaperones is what we're going to get to the point of. Yeah. But they're not going to be to protect the girl's reputation as it was back in say. Right, the early 1800s, it's going to be so that the boy's reputation is protected so that he has a witness. See, Mike Pence's policy is that he will not be alone with a, with a woman in his office. Now, if there's someone, a third-party witness there that can testify on his behalf, he, that's allowed. So having a chaperone, I mean, that's what we're going to get to the point of in our society is where um, – you know, back in the day, people, when girls went on dates, it was the father who was, you know, trying to intimidate the uh, the, yeah. the boy showing up with the shotgun. You know, right. he's playing his shotgun. Well, is it going to get to the point where the moms are going to be the one cleaning yeah. the shot and lecturing the the girl who wants to take him out on a date? You know, you better treat my son right. And you know, we, you know, we don't tolerate the, liars. The moms and, polishing the shotguns so, yeah. on the patio. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We're gonna get to. We're gonna get to the point where we have Victorian age or old-fashioned values as far as chaperoning on dates, but it's gonna be to protect the boys from false accusations. Mm. And it, and it, it's, and it's. I mean, that, I don't know what else to say. That's that's where we're headed. Unless it's the shifting there's a sands of time, though, you know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, but you know, five years, ten years, it's hard. It's hard to say. Um, related. I want to get through a couple more articles here and then I'll pose the ultimate question. I do want to get John okay. in here, but this will be a bit, um, <clears throat> this is from, uh, the Minneapolis business journal under the segment banking and law after wave of me too reports, attorneys see surge and workplace misconduct caseload DT. Huh. You want to think that webcam might be an idea. <clears throat> I'm thinking um, quitting work might be an idea. <laughs> <laughs> As the Me Too movement continues to sweep across the country, impacting people across a multitude of professions, it also means a sharp increase in work for some law firms. That's certainly true of Fredrickson and Boyd attorneys, Karen Shanfield and, and Dulce or Dulce uh, Foster, who have seen the workload on sexual assault and misconduct cases rise dramatically, and they don't expect the issue and related work to die down anytime soon. Both have substantial experience in various investigations related to the subject, Shanfield co-led an investigation into sexual harassment issues at the University of Minnesota's Department of Athletics in the wake of the resignation of former athletics director Norwood Teague. Foster has more than 17 years' experience representing individuals and working on investigations. Okay, all right. I'm, and I'm going to read through this because I want you guys to see what's going on and on the forefront, even if it is a, a touch of a long uh, interview here. Sure. In the wake of Me Too, Me Too, are you surprised by the amount of activity? Uh, has that led to additional investigative requests? Foster, I've been surprised by the amount of issues that we've seen surfacing. My own personal experience has been I've seen more investigations into alleged sexual assault. I think it's a result of a tipping point. I think it has caused individuals who previously would not have come forward to do so with more confidence. The other side of the coin is that it caused some disgruntled employees to launch accusations and make false allegations. I'm happy to hear that because at least the lawyer um, right. acknowledges that there's this uh, 
malicious incentive. Shanfield, the other lawyer, says, I would say I do think there's been a tremendous uptick in claims, but we're seeing some claims that are barred by limitations because they're too old. <laughs> Cops or didn't didn't happen, girls. Cops or didn't happen. There has also been a spillover effect. Now employers are looking at all sorts of misconduct in the workplace and asking for an investigation. How are these types of claims and investigations difficult? Foster. With these older claims, it can create a very difficult situation for the employer. The evidence can be gone. The concrete evidence has evaporated. It's very difficult to investigate. A company shouldn't just go out and find someone, scrolling up, based on an accusation. I think it really heightens the It's scary when the lawyers are making the most sense. Right. Uh, when they're the moral, the, the voice talking, of morality. Yeah, this is, this is well stated. Yes. Yeah. I think it really heightens the need for a good, thorough investigation to take place. Shanfield, they are generally very emotionally laden issues. They're sometimes difficult because people have blocked these memories or don't want to talk about it. Has this been a growing line of business for the law firm, Foster? It has. Shanfield, I'd be hard-pressed to put a number on it, but we have more lawyers doing investigations around the issue than we did a year ago. Do you expect this to slow down, increase, or stay the same in terms of the workload? Okay, here's here's what's coming down the pike, guys. Foster, for the foreseeable future, this will continue to increase. If you were tasked with an investigation of Brett Kavanaugh and the allegations against him, how would you handle it? Note this question was asked prior to when additional accusations were reported. Foster, I don't think I would start with a public hearing. I think this one will be very difficult. We're talking about something that allegedly happened 40-some years ago. I think you'd need to start talking to classmates. Shanfield, this investigation is one that might go beyond the allegations. Also consider his response to the allegations. He denies them. And consider if he was truthful with his response. That would be an important piece for Congress to consider. What else would you like to add about investigations centered around alleged sexual misconduct? Foster, I think when employers are faced with allegations, they're between a rock and a hard place, and to immediately credit the accuser is not appropriate. Look at this. The lawyers are are the good people. <laughs> yeah, Cappy, this that's is a, really well written. Yeah, send a, me the link to this uh, when we're done because these lawyers – have really it's done behind it. a, it's a behind a paywall that's a problem um but i'll i'll send it to you all right foster i think when employers da, 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 and to immediately credit the accuser is not appropriate and not legal the best thing to do you have to investigate and talk to the accused you could be dealing with defamation risk at the same time ignoring the accuser could lead to the same thing there's a minefield of concerns that employers have to walk through very carefully shanfield uh, the other thing I would add is there are circumstances where the accuser and accused end up having to go back to work with one another. It's really <laughs> important to keep that in mind. Um, so I just wanted to read that. That's kind of on the front lines, and I'm kind of happy the lawyers seem to be the sane ones on this. Can I can I say a little joke? Please do. Um, how long is it going to take for when you're watching TV and it's no longer the, did you work in an asbestos factory? You, uh, if you've been injured and got cancer of the front <laughs> and the upper nostril, you might have a claim. When is it going to be, have you been sexually assaulted at work? Were you and, asked out at work? <laughs> right. Did uh, you go it? on a date and he didn't call you back? Right. <laughs> 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 You know what's fu- what's funny? You're not even funny, DT. That's not a joke. No, it's not. I mean, it, it could be on tomorrow night. Yeah, that you could because what they're trying to do in getting increasingly petty things considered rape or assault, um, 
I mean, if you go read, I mean, and it's it's gonna be gut wrenching. But if you read through that, um, make them scared.com or whatever the website was, you read through some of the accusations. He was verbally abusive. I'm like, oh, really, really? He was verbally abusive. Is that gonna be? Or when they say that they're bullying me and they're trying to make that an illegal crime uh, when it's just disagreeing with you on the internet? Well, you're, this- you're, I could see it happening, DT, where 20 years from now, did you go on a date with a guy and he tried to kiss you? Good night. <laughs> well, we here at Cunt, Bitch, and Hoedown will go and uh, take your case for free. Well, yeah. this is why the whole Kavanaugh hearing stuff is relevant because people are saying – one side is saying, look, you got to produce evidence of this. Um, we have due process, the presumption of innocence, and they go, well, he's running for – he's trying to become a Supreme Court justice. The We don't have to prove it. This isn't a court of law. This is determining all this stuff. Guess what's going to happen is it's going to spill down into uh, private citizens where these kind of sites can just level accusations – yeah. And, oh, and completely, and 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 then you don't have again. It's a court of public opinion, and it goes back to something I keep emphasizing. And and Cappy's referenced: if you can get fired for something, then that is just as bad as it being illegal. So imagine if you're falsely on a mere accusation, you lose your job. So mm-hmm. somebody can just, and that's the problem. They're, they're trying to erode our natural deference towards the presumption of innocence due process, habeas corpus, having things settled in a legal court. And that's why they're obsessed with these um, these uh, college and university, um, basically kangaroo courts. They've been trying to shift, they've been trying to shift what is a legal and criminal issue over into a, basically a witch hunt because that's where they have the power and the discretion. Right. The kids are going to school, got scholarship. Well, right. I wrote, not to interrupt, but I wrote an article called The Fourth Layer of Government in its Academia. Right. Right. That was it. Right. I'm just thinking, I'm just wondering and really frustrated with how long some of these, some of the young men are going to put up with this. And like, why are they still going to these universities? Why are they still going to, it just shocks me when I see the, uh, these, these young men having their lives destroyed and the parents are just beside themselves. Like where'd this come from? It was like, did you even Google the name of the university? where they had a riot last year or something like that, or, or did you do any research? You guys can't be, um, you know, sticking your hand in the sand or head in the sand or, or being yeah, it's not even to yeah. yeah. It can't be out, out to lunch on these issues. Cause they're changing so often. TJ, um, TJ, TJ, you can't put a price on education. <laughs> Cause it keeps changing. Because it keeps shit, yeah, going up. Yeah, you, yeah, you actually, you actually can't, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, let me move on to two more uh, points here, and then I want to ask you gentlemen some uh, questions. Um, you guys saw that California has required that um, the publicly traded firms headquartered or based in California have to have women on the board. You've seen yes. that, yes. okay? Two, if you have five, and if you're a certain size. Um, we we don't need to talk about that. I think we all understand the politics underneath and uh, what general genuine uh, sexism that is. Um, and then, have you guys seen the video where there's two large, fat, ugly liberal women arguing with? Um, he's some kind of YouTuber. I forget his name, but he's in a suit and tie. Actually, a quite dapper looking gentleman. Oh, yeah. And they're just yelling at him, saying, "You have to believe her. You have to believe her." He's like, "What?" I mean, he is asking. 
very simple stuff like what about innocent until proven guilty? What about uh, due diligence? And um, oh, what's the other one? TJ, you know this presumption, stuff. Presumption of innocence. His name is Charlie Kirk. Yeah, Charlie got, Kirk. Yeah, he came across my uh, Twitter feed as well, and I didn't even have the sound on, and that was hard enough to just it, watch it was, the yeah. subtitles and yeah. see these women just. Um, they are Norman Mailer. If if you get a chance, look up uh, Norman Mailer's uh, uh, debate with feminists way back in the day when feminism was first starting, and he made the point that that with men arguing with each other, there is such a thing as fighting words. That if if you push it too far with the words, right. or you're too aggressive. You'll get socked right in the mouth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're watching this video now with this Charlie Kirk talking to this woman who is just jabbing her finger uh, like an inch away from his chest, not touching him, but yeah. it's just in his face and jabbing her finger over and over and over again. If she was a guy, she would have gotten clocked. And that's and that it goes right back to what Norman Mailer predicted is that you women have an unfair advantage because we will not hit you. Oh, we I can't don't, don't, don't go that far. A woman we gets can't the right hit you. Cappy, Cappy, Cappy. We're not allowed to hit you. We can't hit yeah. you. You've got an unfair advantage in these in these arguments because when it's men and men, you go too far. It's let's go outside anyway, and settle this. Okay, I understand the arguments. This is not the point I wanted to go take, but it duly noted. All my point is if you watch the video, you see women who are mentally ill. Yeah. That's not an opinion. You see women who are filled with hate and evil. Yep. Uh, and then you also see women who have no respect for due process, um, the law, innocent until proven guilty. They are vile people that want tyranny and for them to be in the positions of power. That's, that is what you saw there. Okay. You yep. saw women that actually hate men. Right. So, clear. Crystal clear. We, yep. Crystal clear. Now, you take everything we've seen with um, this website, Kavanaugh. Uh, this is not the only protest. I mean, I cannot believe how many protests are out there um, where women and some men are just like, well, believe women. And they loathe and hate Kavanaugh. The, there's no logic. Everything thrown out the window. It's like, dude, that was 36 years ago. Is it possible she's lying uh, with the timing and everything? You have the lawyer citing an increase. TJ, you've dated more recently than all of us. I was probably second. And then I think <laughs> DT and um, Doc have been married the longest, but we all did go through some some dating except DT. <laughs> I ask I ask each of you a question. I want a number. What percent of women under 50 hate men? Doc. Oof. Oh, estimate it. You know, I know, I know it's hard. That's why I'm, I want to get your numbers first because I'm trying to figure this out. And if we can put up, if we can get a reasonably good approximation, we could start highlighting and measuring just what a dangerous situation this presents for, for young old men, any men out there and any women who give a damn about the men in their lives. Yeah. I think it's hard to do. You know, under 50, I, I would definitely say if it's 30 and under, I I would ballpark that percentage at 10 to 15. Okay. I mean, if you're saying, if you're saying the word hate of feeling. Uh, hey, a genuine bigotry against men. Like they, that, they hate men. Um, I, I, in 
yeah, I'm going, we'll say 15% under 30. Okay, DT? Well, see, I think any woman that votes Democrat at least hates men a little bit. I got I got you covered so, on that one. So I, I, I think... Conscious hate. Yeah, just conscious hate? Consciously hates men. I think I'm entitled over them. I deserve more than them. I hate them. They oppress me. Um... I still think it's, if you're voting Democrat, that's what you that's at heart what you are, whether you admit it to yourself or not. And so I'd say 60 percent. OK, 60 percent. TJ, you're the closest. You you probably have the closest feet on the ground. What do you say? I think the better way to put that question is how many women under the, the age of 30 would are getting their views or internalizing the values of the women who are yelling at Charlie Kirk? And I would say a dangerous percentage where oh, they're not, but, but you remember it's a herd mentality. So if you get, and that's what's happening is that it's not that there's a lot of them are like that. It's that it only takes a handful of them in, in a, an environment where they're not checked to control. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at how the most vile people, the most disgusting people are getting to determine what is considered normal for human relations. Like the people, the the people who should be in padded cells are talking about appropriate ways that men and women should behave around each other. Who would, these people would be in insane asylums. Instead they're in universities and they're, they're professors or they're politicians or they're, they're, they're whatever. They're considered moral authorities on these issues when they're out of their freaking minds. And so people like a lot of give us a number, TJ. Give us a number. <laughs> here, here, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. I just want to hey, I'm I'm the one in charge here. I'm letting you guys, <laughs> I'm letting you guys blather on because I want to show the audience what a bunch of little girls you are, and you're beating around the bush. And you can't shoot me a number. Continue on. Continue on. <laughs> I would say, um, God, I. I under the right circumstances, I would give say me, the, majority, me a gut the majority. Huh? The majority. The majority. 51. I would say 51. 51. DT. I'm sorry. We already got DT. Okay. Now, next question. Because you guys all farted over the example. I, 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 I went the same route, uh, DT, that you did. Is I try to do a top-down approach. Like, okay, what percentage of women love the government more than they love men? Yeah. That doesn't translate to hate. And you could say what percentage of women vote against the interests of men. That would be Democrat women. So you're looking at 70%. Um, but that's not conscious hate. Uh, a lot of that is dumb naivete and also female caring nature. They just want to help people out. Um, I, I meant actual hate. So Doc said 10 to 15, let's call it 12. Uh, you're at 60% DT? I said 60. I said Democrats, baby. Democrat okay. women hate men. Yep. Democrat women, not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. Uh, TJ says uh, uh, 51%. I, I'm saying 51% are capable of being uh, of taking their orders from the women like the ones who are yelling at Charlie okay. uh, The number of hate men, I, I, it really depends on how you would define hate. Not See, I'm, like, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of Charlie Kirk as you know, that 12%. That's what I'm kind of describing. In my yeah, it's really hard to determine because a lot of them just don't have a specific viewpoint. It's whatever they blow with the wind. They're like Captain Rinald from uh, from Casablanca, right? 
they, they, they blow with the wind and the prevailing wind happens to be these people. Yeah. Um, the next question, hang on, I'm going to send a link to John Steele because I want to get him on to talk about a separate article that we'll talk about later and we'll close up shop here unless there's some uh, thing. Uh, the next question, Doc, <clears throat> what percent of women under 50 are incapable of functioning around men? Not hate, but are not ca- either because they don't understand men, they have delusional expectations, they are co-opted as TJ is recommending. What percentage of women under 50 are incapable of functioning around men? I, I would put that at uh, at 50%. Okay. DT? Well, I have to go higher, right? It's, no, you don't have, have to. Go to. Well, I got to be consistent in my answers. No, if, it's, if I'm saying 60% hate, how many percent are, can't function as well, like function like wide, rational you took a human very beings? wide description of hate. So, I mean, it could okay, be. Okay, so this I'm going to define uh, functioning because uh, based on my first answer, as uh, as unable to uh, be rational around men, and I will say ninety five percent. Wow, that high. Okay, hang on, I'm writing these from numbers. time to time. It's not a hundred percent of the time, but we all know. We all know. Okay, they, get, um, they go a little, they go a little crazy sometimes. Wow. So, yeah. so so Mrs. DT is is one of the top twenty, huh? Uh, right. <laughs> right. Okay. She better, yeah, she's she's right there, right, DT. <laughs> Uh, okay, I so said ninety-five percent. Doc, you said what? Fifty percent? Said fifty. All right, DT, you say ninety-five. TJ, I I don't know. I think the number is probably equal to the number of of young men, not through any fault of their own. Um, that's a good point. How many men know how to function around women? That I, I mean, a, I, like, look, I think the, the important thing is that to take away from that is that this is a situation in which they, they've been raised in this situation. They've been raised in this culture and society. And so I don't think that it's intentional. It's what they've been raised to believe. And so I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I'm, it, it's just a bad situation. It's not, it, it's not a judgment, so to speak. Oh, just, this is so painful. I'm just, oh, I'm just, it's, you're, I'm, you're, asking me, you're asking me to make this just on gut feeling. And yes, I'm, yes. This, <laughs> I'll come up with a better methodology. I just want some ballpark figures. You guys are like, well, there was one time in the seventh grade, and I held Susie Perkins' hey, hand. Hey, if I'm going to get crucified about this for 35 <laughs> years from now, when I become a best-selling author, <laughs> yeah. I want to be able to defend those figures. <laughs> I'd say 30%. 30%, okay. Can I, can, I, can I give my uh, response to this? Yes, please. Are you going to give me numbers or are you going to give me a fucking doctoral thesis? Uh, neither. You're asking the wrong question. It's women, you're, you're giving women too much credit as if they actually can like form, you know, consciously decide they're going to hate someone. You're, you're, you're thinking about women the way like men would hate something. They don't. They, and stop. You know, that's like so frustrating, like listening to this. Like you're treating women like they're rational beings. They are not. So stop it. <laughs> It's That's why I said ninety-five percent, John. Give me I the damn 95. number. percent. They all hate. Ninety-nine. Okay. They, they hate men. They, but it's it's. depends. that one. No, but it's like it's like if it serves their purpose, they hate men. But I mean, it's like you're making it seem like oh, you know a conscious decision, like. And that's a problem, like not just with dating, but like men in general, the way they treat women, like they're they're trying to think about their brains the way our brains work. They don't. <laughs> I mean, get over it, okay? That's the fucking reality. I mean, women and men are different, and it's not like women are, you know, evil. Or it's just that that's what they fucking are, you know. I mean, you got, you know, 
I mean, okay. if the dog shits on your carpet, is your dog evil? No. But, I mean, you still rub his nose in it. The same with women. <laughs> All right. I, mean, I agree. The correct oh. answers are. The correct answers are. This is an incredibly painful thing. I so <laughs> regretted doing this. <clears throat> Here I am just trying to get some ballpark fingers to make a point. I'm going to say um, a good uh, third of women under 50 hate men. So 33%. And the percentage of women that cannot function around men, I'm going to say, is uh, 70%. Um, now, we can certainly debate and argue methodologies, but the point I want to bring up is, again, getting back to that kind of, well, only 1 in 10 Muslims are radical and want to kill people. Um, on the low end, we have what percentage of women hate men. Uh, Doc has an optimistic 12%, 1 in, one in uh, 8. Uh, I'm at... Uh, a third um, DT and, and um, uh, TJ are a little bit higher. Uh, <laughs> the point is not so much what they hate. Certainly the women that are going to hate you are going to attack you. Right. There is a significant percentage of women that hate men and I have malicious intents for you. So you got to wa- worry about that. What I'm also worried about just so you guys know that when you go out and work into the real world or work or function, dating, working, whatever else, how many of them are not evil, as TJ pointed out? They're just indoctrinated program, wasted crops, swallow the indoctrination they receive in school and are dysfunctional when it comes to dating, dysfunctional when it comes to working, dysfunctional when it comes to interacting, dysfunctional, any kind of interaction, either because they've been propagandized or – they just don't have any empathy or sympathy or try to figure out, oh, wait, men might have some preferences too. you got to realize I would say the majority of them, and we're all on the majority on this, uh, the majority of them um, cannot function. And so it is a rare one, which is where you find a Mrs. DT or you find a Mrs. Doc or when TJ finds a girl that she'll marry him and say, oh, my gosh. I like Riverstone fireplaces. Let, do you have one at your house? <laughs> yeah, wow, you know, my, you yeah, my wife is, uh, I mean, she is, she's a stay-at-home mom, has been since we've been married, um, worked prior to that, um, and she is outstanding, you know, with our kids, and as a fiscal steward, you know, knowing how hard we've worked, you know, for the money, mm-hmm. um, you know, really, really, uh, we're aligned on all of that, um, and uh, yeah, we've had, yeah, you know, we, we plan out our family, you know, trips, and but I think that responsibility that she brings in, I mean, and, um, that's the other part of this. I mean, too, is is I think men and women approach today money much differently. I, I, I just see it. I mean, most yeah. all of my friends that are male have an awareness of they could open up their wallet and before they, you know, open it, they, they would say, I've got $17 in here. And I mean, they this amount of debt that that is just in the female culture and is more inculcated today is just crazy. And I, and I've seen this destroy marriages. I have a friend going through this right now and, and he was very fiscally conservative, got into a marriage and pretty soon, yeah, brand new SUV, brand new, this things that, (laughs) and now they're getting divorced and this massive amount of debt. And I'm like, my God, dude, when I knew you, you wore the same pair of fricking, you know, Converse shoes that we had, you know, you had in college and, the, and not that you didn't, you know, get a few things, but I'm like, what the hell? So I, th- well, I think Chris fundamentally. Got off easy then. Chris only lost $5,000 in the crappy used oh, car. Oh yeah, my right? friend's going to get fucking just <laughs> fleeced. But, but yeah, I, 
I, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sending that, you know, that um, accolade out seriously to, to my wife because, um, you know, she, she does embody, um, you know, the putting the family, family first. And, you know, we have, we have nights where, you know, we have our movie nights with the kids and, and, you know, the activities we do and everything from that to Monopoly. But it's also the physical sense, you know, of knowing, you know, what's on sale. She's clipping coupons. She, she again, knows where we're trying to go into retirement and into these types of things, you know, taking care of, of our vehicles, stuff like that. So and she supports you. And she does. She does. And she, um, yeah. Does it nag or question? No. <laughs> really? Well, yeah, she well, does a little bit. Uh, let's be honest. They all do a little bit. I mean, I that's mean, my point. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Beyond the normal amount. <laughs> right, right. I mean, come on. That's that's inherent to any relationship, right? But, but I mean, it is one of those things where I definitely know, you know, she's got, you know, my, my back or if we had any, you know, family issues that came up or extended family, you know, we, we, we would work through that as a, as a team. Um, so yeah, of course. Well, um, David, I, th- I think the question that everyone wants to know is like exactly where were you when you were hunting this unicorn? So everybody else can go there. <laughs> yeah, hey, here's a story. I was dating her roommate in college and pulled off the roommate switch, which Jerry and George said was impossible. Wow. <laughs> you sly dog. Pulled off the roommate switch. Did you do Man, the three, who, did, you, did you use a threesome uh, uh, argument like they did in Seinfeld? Or? I did not, and uh, yeah, Jerry turned that down. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, yeah, it was her her roommate I was dating, and she just was crazy. Um, yeah, but just let, let's pretend your wife is not listening. Which one was better in the shack? Of course, I'm not going to. You on for one reason and one reason only. And that was to get your expertise opinion on yeah. something. I'm not. I have nothing to say about the ten cities. I'm sorry. Um, you, you, all, all the good topics you already talked about. I, I really can't tell you about <laughs> ten, ten cities. Suck. Duh. I mean, you really. I mean, you really think John Steele is, a, is an expert on ten cities? They're bad. Well, what you, can I say about them? You're closer to it. You've seen it evolve. Because uh, DT knows this. We have our own little ten cities now forming in the Twin Cities. Correct, DT. <laughs> yeah, you could almost call them TP cities. I guess. <laughs> yeah. They that was are, everything are, really are, so funny that was the ten cities and the twin cities. And they are teepees because they are on the Indian reservation, not because Indians on the Indian, but the, it is Indians, uh, American Indians, that are the majority of people who are living in this recently formed tent city. Yep. And I just wanted to I mean, we could go read through the article, but the short version for those of you we never had tent cities before. LA has tent cities, uh, uh, San Francisco has them. Some places in Florida have them. Minnesota never had them because people. Uh, Seattle always did have them, but not in the Twin Cities because, I don't know, you have to be really fucking stupid to be living in a tent when it's negative 20 degrees. Uh, It's too fucking cold. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, seriously, how how are they – well, I guess we won't know right until the – you know, a couple months from now, but how how are they – how is that functional? I've heard heard people talk about it. And they've said we don't have to worry about it for very long. That's what they they've kind of cynically said. Winter's coming, you know. Game of Thrones, winter's is coming, <laughs> and we're not going to have to worry about it for very long. <laughs> I think they migrate. They just migrate to different areas. Yeah. Well, that, that, yeah. no, I think that that's what happened in Seattle, though. Like they they and and San Francisco too, right? Like they the 
the social programs, whenever they expand, and Aaron has talked and written about this extensively, whenever they expand these programs, well, that's where they go, right? Like, what's that, Aaron, uh, the principle in economics, whatever you incentivize, you get more of? I call it mold theory. Hmm. Well, um, well, because <laughs> because I, I liken people on welfare and government assistance to mold because they're mold and they don't do anything. And governments, the Democrats' solution to solving moldy bread is to throw more bread on the mold and say, see, we took care of the problem. And then they're shocked that there's more mold. Um, but that's – I don't know. I, I, uh, it's some, some real economist probably came up with a, with a phrase for it. Um, but I did want to ask, John – you, you've seen the tent cities evolve. In, in the olden days, tent cities were predominantly for the poor. Um, you probably were down and out. Sure, you might have had drugs or you were on government dole, but it, it was not this fashion statement. And that's why I think you've seen now in your neighborhood or more in Seattle where it's cool or kitschy because, oh, the kids in Pioneer Square decided to do it. Am I right in any of this? Is it's more Because these guys over at the Tent City and the Twin Cities all seem to have very nice iPhones. Um, I, I, yeah, it's a tough question, tougher than you, you'd think, Aaron, because, unless, cause unless you're really, you know, in, really in the environment instead of just having forced to drive by it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do know that the uh, drug use is really bad in those 10 cities. I mean, really bad. Okay. Um, so, and there's a lot of challenges. Cause I, I, I think I had mentioned before, I have a friend of mine that's a, a deputy of King County and, and uh, the, 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 there's all, there's all sorts of like assaults that happen and things like that. And, and they, they is, issued all these protocols that they, they've kind of almost made the tent cities, like these mini- miniature sanctuary cities in a way for like right. drug use. So it, the, the police can't do anything about them. So because of that, and this might not be true in San Francisco or other places, but at least in Seattle, because they've made rules where you can kind of do drugs there and the police are not allowed to do anything about it. It's made the tent cities extremely drug intensive for lack of a better phrase. I don't know what else to call it. So I don't know if it's like yeah. in vogue here because it's very, it's huge in the drug, like illegal drug. I'm talking the hard drug shit, you know, needles. It's a magnet. Yeah, so I don't know if it's like as trendy like the skater boys are going there so much here. Now that may that's I can't speak to other cities, but in Seattle because the 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 way they change the protocols of dealing with the drug use, I, I don't think it's just you know a fashion analogous thing. something. Say again. Analogous. Yeah, I, like I, we can't I, we can't draw analogies. Like what's driving Seattle's ten city is not the same here. It, it might it might be. Yeah, I, I mean it might be a little different because I think that the drugs are really it's really bad here with that, and it's you know it's re, it's reaching a tipping point where people and <clears throat> because of that because it's not just the, the fashion statement kind of thing. Like you know remember the Occupy Wall Street bullshit where you had all these like you know. Yep. Yeah, think, that's what I was worried about. It was fashionable. Yeah, like now that may be true in like these other cities, but here not so much. So um, I, I think, and and because of that, there's there's so much more spillover crime because you know people would how are they getting their money for drugs? They have to steal, right? These people can't hold down jobs, so there's so much more crime, and not and I think and David Broden, I think we talked about this. We one did, of, we did. Yeah. And it's it's not you know I don't want to give people the impression like people being like fucking hit with you know axe murderers and shit like no that's not happening but it's it's the it's the breaking into cars, cars and, and brand new cars getting stolen 
that kind of stuff, you know, but not just cars, breaking into homes and all that kind of stuff. So all the, you know, you know, and, and what's really cool in Seattle, they, you go to their, uh, the police department website and they have these interactive maps where you can see all the reported crime and what type of crime it is. And you can see like, well, there's a 10 city here and you'll notice, well, okay, that's the red zone. Gee, I wonder why, <laughs> you know? Um, so that, that kind of thing. So Aaron, I, I think that you're probably right in some parts of the country, but in Seattle, no, because the drugs. Okay. Well, you, you had a little more experience. This is a, a brand new thing to do the Twin Cities. And the only reason I thought it was fashionable and popular uh, was because it just popped up overnight. Another one formed in St. Paul. And I actually drove past uh, the one in Minneapolis because I was bored. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to check it out. And it, it's not anything big. You actually, if you blink, you'll drive past it. Um, it was just, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out the genesis or the nature of these 10 cities. Um, uh, thought there may be some perils, but yeah, the drugs are is what's driving it to this uh, critical mass where it starts feeding of on itself and bringing in more drug use. It's that that sucks. It sucks to be in Seattle. Yeah, and then you know these guys, you know when and and you guys know this at least not if, if personal experience. You know it anecdotally. People when they're in that state, they're you know they're beyond reason. You know they're they're literally like feral animals. So mm-hmm. they're you, you know. You know, thank thank God we're allowed to have guns here still. But there's one thing I wanted to uh, mention before you close out. There was an article that I thought that Aaron would really get a kick out of. Um, if anyone go, if anyone reads Taki Mag, there's a guy that I follow, David Cole. I actually interviewed him on my site. Although because of YouTube censorship, you can't really link to it directly. It's behind their wall. But anyway, New York City, thanks to uh, uh, socialist Democrat uh, Bill De Blasio passed a law that says that their art schools, you know, the public art schools, like think of the movie Fame, you know, where you, you know, if right. you like an actor. High school or college? I'm sorry? High school, high school or high college? College. High school. Okay, so, the, um, so they, they, they've instituted a new law now that says they're not allowed to hold auditions. So you could have a voice <laughs> like a fucking uh, car crash and they have to accept you into these schools to become a singer. Or you could wow. have, like, you know, you could have a peg leg, and they accept you into their ballet class. And let me wow. clarify: is again, I missed it. Was this high school or is this college? high school? High school. High school. Oh my god! Well, well, they want a bunch of people. Middle school. Middle, uh, yeah. They want a bunch of people to try out for American Idol for the laughs. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. what it is, right? That's, that's, <laughs> that, yeah, that was. That, you got it. That was. That was. Yeah. I'll link to the. Uh, uh, I'll send it into. The, I can't send it on the. Uh, the, the public chat, but I'll, I'll link to the article in the, uh, yeah, do that. It just, it's more enjoy yeah. the decline, but, uh, you, you know, right, just, um, before you sh- shut this one down, but I actually, so I'm teaching a law class, uh, on uh, Saturday, nine hour law class. And, uh, I have a case study that I wrote and it specifically is a middle school where in this, so this is based off a real scenario that played out. Um, middle school where a kid tried out for the show choir didn't make the cut and then came back with the parents sued the district the kid also did not return to school claimed emotional distress had a lawyer had a doctor um show up and at these meetings with the district i mean it was brutal the district got grilled they actually had four trained staff members that um did the when, when people were, when the kids were singing, you know, that they would rate them in the different areas. The kids knew right. ahead of time the areas that they would be rated in. This kid, everybody had the, the materials a few weeks ahead of time to practice. And they said, 
there were like 18 kids that didn't make it and they had an alternate that everybody could participate in. But yeah, I mean, it was, and they changed it after that. They're like, you know, we're, we're done. We're not going to go through this again. And this was too divisive and they just opened it up to everybody after that. But it's a case study I have that will go in this law class that I'm teaching. It's ironic because I wrote the thing over the weekend. <laughs> I thought it was going to be in your book. No, it's not. It, no, it's not in the book. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the book's got a lot of interesting stuff. But yeah, this this case study and what I've told you, you know, obviously I've, I've shared how it played out. But in the case study, it's wide open. So then it puts the the person in the role of, OK, what would you do in this situation? And, and then I kind of step them through the different ways to look at it. And then we cross reference everything to law. And, and the school did everything right, actually, everything right. They, they had trained their evaluators, they had their criteria, and, but eventually it was the school board that just said, There's no, you know, we're not going to deal with this packed room. These are influential parents. We're not going to do the legal cost of trying to, we want the kid back in the district. So they just said from now on, everything has to be, if, if you try out, you're automatically on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why you, I got an idea, I won't mention it, but I got an idea to solve this. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, homeschool your kids and educate them over the internet. Don't send them to these damn schools. Just just don't. There's no reason. You could, you could graduate your kid by the age of 14 from high school if you really pushed them. Um, But there's no reason to go through this, this bullshit at the public schools. Um, DT, what do we got for um, any more super chats? Are we good? Are we clean on that? No, I think we're all. No, there, there, there was there was one you missed it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I wanted to end it with this one. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good right. joke. Okay, and what TJ is it? knows it. TJ already knows. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's from Atham. Five bucks, and he says, "Quote TJ, do you like pizza?" And now he's being TJ. Well, it depends on how you define pizza. <laughs> if we go back to the 1500s in Italy, there are probably many factors. That blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, we still love you, TJ. Uh, no, it's, it's funny. I got, my, I got to tip my hat. <laughs> um, all right, let me go through all the minor stuff here. If everybody would, please like the video. I know it's a pain in the ass, but it helps with this. Yeah, hit the, actually, yeah, only 13 people did. I just hit it. I made it 14. Thanks. Thank you, John. Also, subscribe, if you would, to the channel. So I got a nice little buffer there in case YouTube decides to, like, wipe out a bunch of subscribers. Um, take a look at all my books. You can see all the references and links by going to olderbrother.com. And then we have resources. Also, email me any resources you'd like to have on that page at olderbrother at yahoo.com. Check out Manly Shit. That's links to all cool shit that you might want to buy over on Amazon.com. Um, what else? Do, 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 do. You like the video? Share with friends. Da, 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 da. I think that's all there is. Doc, tell everybody what you're working on and where they can find you. Sure. Uh, just check out safetyphd.com, uh, safetyphd.com. I do have links out to all of my podcasts, and actually I'm going to start doing more blog posts. So I typically will do a blog post every time I do a podcast, um, but I'm going to start doing more blogging. 
And uh, just keep watching because the uh, the book Lessons of Lower Manhattan, which is uh, a study of the psychological reaction of the 500,000 people that were rescued from Lower Manhattan on 9-11, um, should be out in early January. Uh, I submitted it um, <laughs> September 11th, uh, tw- 11 minutes past midnight to my publisher. <laughs> so, um, But anyway... Yeah, check out safetyphd.com. And it, it, just to give everybody a shout-out, back to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com, which is Cappy's site, um, there are some incredibly uh, intellectual, you know, posts on there. And, and you know, I just – I'm going back – ah, damn it. I'm going down to uh, – well, congratulations on uh, 200 reviews for Curse of Haiku. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, you I got. Have. I write. I write intelligent shit. Yes, it happens. Yeah. So we 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 we'll just wrap it up here. But I did write two articles. One on the government. How how the government. Also, socialism. Me. Yeah, everybody, check it yeah. out. I, it's it's yeah, worth. Those it. are those are very good treatises or treaties or whatever. Uh, read through those. Also related, my new book uh, that backs up my blog. If you like reading the blog, will be coming out. It's called um, Love Letters to the Left. Oh wow. Yeah. Right. So, but that's that's. I gotta wait for the. Uh, Book art to come in, and it's going to be pretty cool. DT, where can people find you? Where you write regularly, daily, and podcast and blog <laughs> all the time? Yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm still working at working on happynihilist.net, but I have um, uh, considered here uh, doing an emergency debrief whenever the Kavanaugh stuff settles out. So I might have, so, I might uh, actually resurrect the debrief for a podcast to give my thoughts on that. But uh, that you can tomorrow? find. Hmm? Is that going to be tomorrow when they decide, or? Oh well, apparently the FBI report comes out tomorrow, but I don't know when exactly it, they're going to decide. And either way, I think it, there's definitely some huge lessons there that need to be unpacked, and we mm-hmm. need to debrief about, and it should influence how you how you see the future. Um, so we'll we'll I, I, I'm considering doing that, but happynihilist.net or blackbrigade.org. Cool, TJ. TJ. Oh, um, you can go to my website, tjmartinell.com. I also have got a weekly podcast, soundcloud.com slash tjmartinell. Um, and I've got, um, on my website, you'll find my books for sale on Amazon. And I've got a new one that's going to be coming out in a few weeks. Sweet. And uh, John, uh, I, I, it's too bad that our uh, interview you had with that guy, that was, that was a really good interview you had with, I forget his name. It's too bad that's behind YouTube, but you also you still have your YouTube channel, correct? Yes, um, and I recently did an interview on my YouTube channel, which is John Steele Show, Steele spelled S-T-E-E-L-E, uh, called The Utility of Religion. I think, uh, Aaron, you listened to it. I don't know what you thought of it. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at John underscore Steele 99. Also, uh, the Safety Doc interviewed me, and we actually had a really good time with that interview, um, which is, I think we almost went two hours with that, David. And um, uh, so you can listen to that, which I thought was I thought that was really fun. At least it was for us. I hope other people got enjoyment out of it. Um, was the um, just a question? The utility of religion was that the one with uh, Forney? Yeah. God, he was he like? Did he have sand in his vagina or something that night? Because he was just a belligerent, pissed off guy. I'm like, damn, Matt's pissed off tonight. Well, you know, you have to understand, Aaron. And well, you probably know this better than anyone, based on I don't know how much you revealed about your growing up, but people who have strong uh, religious, especially Christian beliefs, if anyone uh, challenges them in any way, it's it's not so much an assault on the religion as so much as an assault on their identity. Uh-huh. So it, it's kind of, I call it a, you know, ego investment. And um, 
So anyway. He just felt like he was in a bad mood. I was, I was just like, geez, Matt, be a little more civil and polite. Well, no, I don't think he was that out of line. You know, I mean, Matt, Matt is a little bit, uh, his Matt. personality is a little bit, you know, Matt. Yeah, that's just, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're, but we're all good. We're buds. Good, good. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming on the show. Great podcast. I appreciate it very much. Uh, next week, um, we're going to see if uh, Anne's around. She's moved off to a new place, and hopefully after she sells, she'll come on the show. Plus, I'm sick and tired of having you you yahoos around. we got to get some feminine beauty in on the show. Uh, <laughs> but thanks for being on the show, and uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in. And Chris, terribly sorry about what happened to you, but uh, you did dodge a bullet, and I think everybody here agrees. Absolutely. Yes. All right, toodles. Toodles. All right, see you guys. All right, thank you, everyone.